Hi, just a quick heads up from me that um, my son was crying a little bit during the intro, but uh, sorry about that. But do not worry, it does not persist for the whole pod. Enjoy. Welcome to the Careless Talk Climbing Podcast with myself, Aidan Roberts, and my co-host, Sam Pryor. Hello. Today, we are joined by guests. We've had both of them on the podcast before. Billy, in fact, twice. So we've got Billy Rydell and Alex Wardhouse joining us today. Um, We've interviewed both of these climbers at different stages of their climbing. Um, so Billy, we interviewed whilst he was deep within his comp climbing career once in the aftermath and discussed a little of this concept of the time when both Billy and Alex stepped away from competitions. They set themselves a very ambitious goal of free climbing the nose on El Cap in California. Uh, now the nose is an incredibly famous climb, first free climbed by Lynn Hill, um, and has had remarkably few free climb descents. Um, to like shine a light on the ambitious nature of this goal, like Billy and Alex weren't people who have dabbled much in big walling. And we're just comp climbers that kind of had a passion for big walling. I think it's fair to say they were just like complete beginners in this style of climbing. So to go from like focused training for competitions and like set themselves a goal to just like embark on this journey of like so much learning and so much unknown, I think was fascinating. And I think uh, they publicized uh, pretty much the entire process and gained a lot of like support from uh uh, just onlookers in the UK. I feel like, uh, I feel like the community like really rallied behind them. It was quite like, it felt like, well, from talking to them in this story, you'll see it felt like a really, a lot of a team ascent, but there's a lot of camaraderie between them, but also I feel amongst the climbing community. So a real feel good, feel good, uh, story, uh, for climbing, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Uh, and that leaves it to me to say that uh, if you're enjoying our podcast and would like to support us, we have a Patreon page. We don't have any adverts or anything on this podcast, so we are supported 100% by our patrons. So a really big thank you to them. Uh, and if you'd like to become one, please check out our page. We've got a couple of tiers. Uh, one tier gives access to a bit more extra content and the other tier access to our Discord page where a bunch of people chatting about all things climbing and you get a heads up of who the guests will be and get to suggest questions and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support us, help us uh, keep the lights on, uh, please do check out our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. Good, man. Ooh. Our first four-way pod. Wow. First four-way. Nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I came in just in time for that. <laughs> wow, it's actually amazing to... It's actually so satisfying just to have the screen, like, evenly full. I kind of, like, never realised until now how much it bugged me out of, like, the lack of rotational symmetry on the screen. Wait, can we make everybody equally... <laughs> Yes. Gallery. Oh, that's oh, yeah. oh, that's much. You better. might have the setting on where you can only see the person talking, but that's yeah, actually I, I really design. disorientating. Oh, yeah, I've okay. never, I've never had that yeah, on. No, it's, it would be so unhelpful for us because I need to see if you're about to ask a question, oh, which is almost yeah. always. <laughs> I'm always actually. I've, I've actually realised now, and it's going to be quite hard because I'm probably going to. It's probably going to happen quite a few times. The amount of times I ask a question without actually asking a question is phenomenal. 
Have you listened to yourself back all of a sudden? <laughs> no, I kind of try and listen to myself while I'm saying things. But I realize so much of the time I just like kind of make some declaration that's really like uh, kind of just like rambly and like uh, kind of vaguely could almost be construed as a question and like some relevance to the person I'm talking to. But then it's not really a concise question. So apologies in advance if that happens. That's the joy it's of the right. podcast. No, no, <laughs> That's the whole point. No, so that was realised. No one that... realised because Sam's edited out every single one of those, even the gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd almost as one of them. That's why I always check to see if you've listened to them back because you'll realise I've edited absolutely everything you say out of the podcast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aiden, Aiden Roberts, hello. And that's literally it for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yet, yet to listen to them back, but I will have one bit. No, I've listened to the one of uh, you and your bro. That's not listening back, though. Yeah, no, that's true. We're off topic. We're off topic already. Off topic. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> chaps. <laughs> Joining us from Sheffield and where alike? Colorado? Dem- like, yeah, Colorado. Between nah. Denver, and Denver and Boulder. Wow, yeah. how's, this, how's the scene out there? It's great. We've just got three inches of snow. So oh, it's done. snowy. It's snowing. It's not good. It means that all climbing's done, but... Um, oh, really? Yeah, this is fantastic. This is, this is a pretty fantastic place to live. Like, it is a little bit like Sheffield, to be honest, in that mm-hmm. it's like a pretty small town, but then you also have access to like really good rock climbing. So I... there's stuff that's 10 minutes away. And if you go two hours, it's absolutely fantastic. I always thought, even beyond the geography of Boulder in the state of Colorado, it is very similar. Like you can make that Sheffield analogy quite, it's quite cliquey and quite fun, but like <laughs> analogous way, I think it's got like cats where Sheffield has the schoolroom. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, mm. I've it's, a very similar, it's a very similar feeling. It's nice. It's, it's nice to transition from, from one to the other, to be honest. It's it. I think the kind of the key factor is that they've both been like climbing hubs for a really long time. So they, you've got people who've moved there for the climbing and then the people who've been there forever. Um, yeah. Kind of, it's that dynamic between the two. Um, but yeah, nice place to live. I feel like I'm like kind of digging into the scene slowly. Have, so. have you moved there full time, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. I've moved to the oh, States. Right. Um, I've been here about six months. Um, I, I kind of came for a trip this time. Um, and I've always had intentions of moving out here. Um, but this time I stayed for, stayed permanently. So um, I got married to my partner in August. Congratulations. Um, congratulations. Oh, not you. congratulations. He got married instead of going climbing and training with me. No, oh. I, got, I got married and then went on my honeymoon with Billy and got to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, live there full time. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool place. That was a place where I thought, ah, yeah, I could kind of like see myself settling down there. A good scene. Yeah, it's a nice Who are spot. you marrying? <laughs> ah, yeah, that's true. Well, invites are out. Any, uh, any, any, <laughs> any Americans listen to the pod, you know, get in touch. Maybe I'll reply. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, shared that Colorado experience with you. Hey, Billy. Yeah, man. Good times. Back in, back in comparably, comparably dirty to this trip as well, I think. Comparably dirty. Yes, yeah, th- three of us crammed into a into a van that was like not properly insulated. 
Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a scummy trip, but um, yeah, that was great. Wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good times, right? Well, we've actually had both of you on the podcast in your singular, Separate. yeah, separately. Um, can't remember the episode numbers, but that would be quite impressive if I could. Um, Not really. <laughs> Billy, me, you were actually, three. I think, the first guest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm racking him up now. This has been his third regular. appearance. He's a regular. <laughs> Sorry, what? what? Third appearance? Yeah, because yeah, remember he came back on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, wow. You've been on the pod more than I have. Um <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners anyway now i found out i get edited out all the time um <laughs> but uh yeah you two are back on the pod because uh you embarked on a uh, rather ambitious adventure um yeah where did this where did this come from like kind of like i feel from an outside perspective you could say it came like out of the blue I mean, um, totally, yeah. totally out of the blue from at the outside perspective of like two comp climbers. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. From, from our perspective as well, it was pretty out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, let's go into the timeline of this because I feel like you both stopped competing pretty much within a couple of months of each other, right? It was like around the same time. Yeah, um, so I think I, I stopped around January or so and then, Bill, I think you were around March. Is that right? Yeah, I, I slogged on for a couple more, couple more challenging months and then also called it a day. But we um, were we were sort of like pottering around the Peak District, doing a little bit of climbing and going out on the grid a bit. Um, I, do you know how the the like conversation started? I I I remember talking about it like underneath Samson with you. Yes, um, that was definitely. The, the, I remember that conversation, but I don't know where it came from. Before I'm that. not sure whether that's an original one, but like we've talked about like rogue plans and stuff that we would do. Like, well, initially in and around comp, comp climbing. And then when that was coming to the end, like we've had conversations about stuff that we do afterwards. And um, I, I feel like we, we'd had a few of these conversations and then we just sort of decided on the most ridiculous one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, if I recall correctly, in the very first podcast we did, we spoke with you, Billy. We spoke yeah. about... We spoke about climbs that you wanted to do, and I think yeah, the I, nose was on there. I think I did say this, and you both of you guys were like, "Oh right, yeah, yeah." I think we were expecting like a load of boulders, and it was like I think that was way before the days of uh, Desert Island boulders. Um, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe I, I said it on the podcast. I was like, "Well, I've, I've got to back my own bullshit now." <laughs> yeah, that, maybe that was the seed planted. The seed. What do I want to yeah. do? Ah, yeah, free the nose. I feel like back your own bullshit is the the entire theme of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> right there, we go. A takeaway. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, shocking yeah, that yeah, you too. both agreed to that. That is. I don't think we took that much convincing. I don't. I really don't think it took very much. Like, originally the the conversation was like oh yeah of course like we'll go and like we'll go and do that i think actually actualizing a plan based off of that was took a little bit more doing um, yeah i reckon we, what we spoke about it at the start of the year and then i don't think i actually booked the flight to come until like less than a month before we went in like but i booked it in like september or something so we spent the whole time being like yeah yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do it yeah totally yeah sure yeah sure. but we were like making plans and learning stuff and like yeah. we we're getting all the stuff together we were we were committed in everything but having the flight so i i think we'd like yes. we committed early but let's uh, 
let's talk experience. What what experience did you it's have? It's going to be a long what, conversation. What was your <laughs> curriculum vitae for this? <laughs> I would say I was the more experienced multi-pitcher. So I've yes. done maybe five, between five and ten, like, easy trad multi-pitches, mostly with Claire, um, going and doing, like, five, seven, five, eight. Um, maybe what's like that in there? Uh, what's that in there? Uh... Like, like the so low, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh right. Okay. So that covers a trad grade. That's like. Uh, yeah. So that uh, trad grades in the US are all the same as sport grades. So, um, oh, on wow. a trad climb, it's rated like five x. So five five is really easy. Like five four five five is like soloing territory or like easy territory, and then as it gets up. I only start to really do the conversion around like 12A. Yeah, but, but it's directly yeah. with sport climbing. So like theoretically, yes. if yes. someone did a stupid trad climb and it was 515. Yeah, like so they add, or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, they add a, a, an age rating. So uh, PG-13, um, oh. R and X. So For like that's, like, that's the danger level. So an R, R rated is like, scary and and run out and dangerous um x is probably death um is that that referencing like films yeah pg-13 is like films right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, i guess so as an unpopular opinion to annoy all the listeners i think it's a better system than i actually think it sounds like a better system as well yeah (laughs) and 80 percent of people have switched off (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to get rid of all the trad dads yeah i'm really i'd be shocked if 80 percent of our listeners are trad climbers yeah very very likely Mm. Uh, but yeah what's your I, I'm pretty sure I'd never done more than three pitches in a row before we went. We we did some sort of trad climb in Spain, like more than a decade, not trad climb, like multi-pitch sport climb, like more than a decade ago, um, which we bailed off of because it was too big. Um, I think we got about three pitches up it. It might have been I, four, but that's the most, definitely the furthest up about up a like, rock face that I'd gone. Um, that's reassuring. I love it. I love this. <laughs> well, um, Okay, my I like... Done, like I did trad climbing when I was a kid, at least a little bit. Um, so I wasn't completely clueless, but like I'm, I'm not an experienced trad climber by any stretch of the imagination. I had to go and like remember how to place gear and how not to whimper as soon as your feet are above a camp. Am I <laughs> so right in said... saying that um, you have an annual tradition of climbing a Christmas crack? Oh yeah, that's that's like probably the bulk of my trad climbing in the last yeah, keeps your foot in the door <laughs> yeah I go, I go and do a hs once a year whilst it's raining <laughs> don't climb on wet grit stone everyone listening except it's christmas crap it's fair game <laughs> carry on sorry i feel i interrupted you Alex. oh i sorry i took my first trad fall like on the first three days of the trip because i hadn't i i'd never thought oh, about wow. it, so. I committed to jumping off and and making sure that I knew that gear was safe. Um, wow, then, on the trip, <laughs> yeah, you jumped off. Like I, I like it, that. That was a controlled fall as well. Like you jumped off. Yeah, you I like jump. Actually, like when you you so spoiler, Alex flash belly full of bad berries when we were at Indian Creek. At that point, he'd still not actually fallen off. So like you got to thirty <laughs> five thirteen track climbing before falling off. I just every time I That's felt like impressive. I was going to fall off, I just tried a bit harder. 
because I was so scared of falling off onto gear. I just like would dig deep and I, I had some proper like screamy, <laughs> like 98, 99% efforts. And I just, I never quite managed it. So it's <laughs> great. great. So, because crack climbing is a bit of a different like genre in terms of like, I feel like the suffering to reward ratios. Like I feel like you put yourself through more and you can. It depends. I I, so I off with thing for sure. Off with things miserable and just a horrible experience, but crack climbing in general, like fingers, hands, fists feels a lot more like regular climbing, like kind of same fitness, but it's like a whole, it's a whole nother set of skills. It's a little bit different. Yeah, you've got different grip types. Speaking of previous experience, you've got some previous experience on crack climbing because you taught yourself to crack climb and then sent the hardest crack boulder, at least in the UK. Uh, was that over lockdown, Alex? Yeah, so just after lockdown. So there's the the Kraken is a V13 boulder put up by Tom Randall. Um, not sure when he put it up, but it was a little while ago. Um, but that's in Devon. So I'm I'm from Devon. So over lockdown, I was down there. Um, and then during the first bit where we were allowed out, that was like my my introduction back into climbing. Um, so I went, dragged some pads underneath the Kraken with a ladder and, and took Pete Witt's crack book and taught myself to crack climb underneath it. But that thing's amazing. It was a proper like testing ground because it had everything from like one finger um, donut jams all the way up to fists. And it, there's kind of one move of every grip type. So I kind of got the whole gamut of skills on that. Um, yeah. It's like the perfect uh, tuition boulder. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, maybe there would have been an easier one, but at least it had all um, the techniques. No need. <laughs> What's the point? But also, I, relatively apt timing in terms of like you were a competitor, you were doing competitions at the time, right? And cracks were rocking up here, there, and everywhere in comps. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that was kind of my reasoning for trying to learn to crack climb at the beginning. I, it's kind of felt like a really easy way of like, gaining over other people in comps was like okay they're gonna put they're gonna keep putting cracks in and all i need to do is do like a few hours of this and i'm gonna be ahead of 98 percent of people because for some reason competitors are just like massively against cracks and nobody's like willing to go in and train them but if there was any other skill in climbing that was so like easy to learn that people just didn't do then it would be ridiculous. Like it would be like somebody just being like, Oh no, I don't jump. I don't do jumps. Like I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> so that was the original reason for doing it, but like actually cracks in comps are still pretty, uh, simple. Like it's almost always just like hand jams or something. Yeah. Not too complicated. I think there's actually a huge amount to explore in that direction. I think if more root setters were really psyched on, on that style and like getting out and, and experiencing how, I don't know how complex some outdoor climbing can get, then I feel like they would, um, yeah, bring that inside mm. a little bit. Did it make any difference that none of your preparation you guys could do before this was together? It was like always apart, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we, we've that, been climbing together for, of, forever. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the plan, well, we had like eight or nine days at the start of the trip to to figure that out which isn't very long That's, but like yeah. we, we <laughs> understand each more. other as people and like we've got a pr- like a really strong climbing partnership already uh it just wasn't in like the the trad or multi-pitch realm um but yeah i think like the week we had like we got a lot more comfortable 
um, in our own climbing on trad and just like how one another worked. And then like the entire trip when we were there was like, was gradual stepping stones built like learning new skills and doing slightly more complicated stuff before we went for like the big push. So like, it actually felt like a really sort of good progression for us as a team and individually like working up to then the actual sort of putting everything together. Probably embarking on this, you probably both knew you were biting off quite a lot um, and knew you were going to be like quite out of your comfort zone. I think it's fair to say for someone who was really experienced in that terrain or like uh, that type of climbing, maybe like the partner they have is like the decision they make over the partner they have is more based upon like the practicality of like their technical ability. Um, whereas like, I feel like the technical side of the climbing was obviously like very ambitious for you guys, but like also you were just like really kind of at stretch or like it's a stressful situation. You're trying to learn a lot with high consequence, knowing that you get on as people. Cause you've done a lot of trips before. I know like, I know you've like, traveled around europe and shared alex's van for like some months in the past and like you've gone on some like trips where you like okay yeah there's some like bedrock foundations in your relationship that you might go through thick and thin but you'll probably like still be able to communicate well with each other throughout that time maybe a nice place to go in rather than just making that decision off one other's technical ability yeah even though neither of us know how to big wall like Alex is by far the person I most want to be up on a big wall with because like we we know each other. Yeah, and you don't feel awkward to freak out in front of each other. (laughs) 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 So, like speaking of someone who knows nothing about any of this stuff, how much was there to learn of just like the basic like knots and gear stuff? It's not that much. there's there's a few basic skills so you have the climbing stuff um and then the which we kind of already knew like how to multi-pitch is not all that complicated setting yourself up on anchors and especially on on el cap where everything's bolted it's not like we were we were creating anchors every single time um the the real addition of the skills is the the logistics and hauling of being on the wall for multiple days so um that is carrying all of your stuff up with you um getting set up every single day and the addition of a 60 ish kilo bag of gear makes s- simple situation what what would be a simple situation in other circumstances actually quite complicated it's like as soon as you try and have the bag off to the side when you're pulling it up and like whatever loose rock all of that stuff like that's the sort of that's the stuff that even if you know the basic skills of hauling or whatever, you still have to kind of use your experience to like rejig a load of different things. So I felt like we just got into a lot of slightly different situations and had to figure out how to get ourselves out of them. Yeah. It's like when you've got a a big bag like that, like if you're on the ground, um, you could just like manhandle it or like untire a thing and deal with it. But, when you're on on the wall like you don't really have the luxury of doing that so you just have to have like small little systems in place or or little sort of um like orders of operation of how you do stuff so you don't end up in like a massive cluster um and it's it's those things that like we could kind of 
like have a bit of a sense of them in principle, but you just don't really know how to do them until you've actually done it. Um, so we kind of just like went up with like a, a bit of an idea from like watching YouTube videos for the most part. Yeah, um, got, got taught some stuff in the UK. Oh, yes. And I, so you shout out to uh, Dan Bradley, uh, the climbing unit. He like took me out and showed me some stuff about um, hauling and like different anchor situations and like um, like little rescue situations. So we weren't totally clueless, um, but like all the little things which actually make it like efficient, uh, we like kind of figured them out a little bit on the fly by making small like not like small mistakes that aren't gonna uh like they're not dangerous but they're making things slower um make all those mistakes or most of those mistakes before we actually went for the push and then there weren't too many like big errors on the actual when we actually went up i don't think it's all it's all efficiency stuff so the i i found the most difficult bit of being on the wall is you're dealing with like multiple ropes at the same time so yeah. in the worst case you have the lead line like the climbing line you have the whole line which you're bringing up for the bag and then we also used a tag line a lot of the time as well um which is like a thin line that you can pull up um bits of gear after the during or after the pitch um so you're trying to deal with all of those things keep them separate and then as soon as they like get twisted up you, you're like I, I'm much better at untangling knots than I was at the beginning of the trip. Yeah, which is yeah, not, actually not mo- sexy. most of the issues came from ropes getting tangled up, didn't they? Like when we were abseiling, when we were climbing, yeah. and stuff would like get jammed, or it'd be really twisted up, or we'd like um, flake all the ropes really badly so that they wouldn't um, come back out again, and then they get all tangled. Um, yeah, that's dealing with ro- <laughs> with ropes, which sounds very basic, was probably our biggest issue. How much of this is something that is maybe the lack of lack of experience, and how much is that just part of like this kind of big wall climb? Because I have like no experience of this. Like, well, yeah. how people who've done it for years are they just much better at dealing with knotted ropes? Because none of the climbs are the same. So, like, uh, I don't know if it's something that people avoid or whether it's something that you just get really efficient at dealing with. Being five percent better at rope management causes you like five times less issues. Like. All it takes is at the beginning, when you're like flaking stuff up, if you put one cross in at the beginning and you just clip, okay, I'm just going to clip that rope in over to the right there. If I'd have clipped that in over to the left, like no knots whatsoever. Whereas if it's on the right, I get a complete cluster within like two minutes. And it's it's a hundred little decisions like that. It's, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to place my pad over that rock because... I know that this size pad is a little bit better. It's those sort of micro improvements that you make over time. Um, if you've been doing it for 20 years, all of that stuff is just like totally in your brain. But even so, so I felt like at the beginning of the day, I was making really good, like solid decisions. But as soon as it's getting dark and I'm tired and like we've been going for 10 hours, that's where you start to make really small mistakes that then stack up into bigger problems. All of this stuff isn't that hard. It's just you have to do it every single time, all day, and that's what make the makes the difference. The big walling is all about efficiency, and it's it once you make those mistakes for an evening, then you're more tired for the rest of the stuff that you've got to do later on, and all of that starts to compound into into bigger problems over multiple days. Right. So let's talk about. So so you then let's we done like the preparation you guys did separately. How did this trip start? Because you flew in, and but you met each other 
quite a long way from Yosemite, didn't you? Or was it was it California? But yeah. you still yeah. got a journey uh, yeah. there. I I flew into Denver where Alex is. He picked me up from the airport, and we spent a few days in Colorado, just like going to some local crags and like doing some pretty basic stuff. Like Alex did his first bit of hauling, uh, like at the start of the trip. <laughs> um and there it was, was like a 20 bits. kilo bag i was like oh yeah this is easy <laughs> uh yeah and then we road tripped over from there stopping in the desert in utah and indian creek for a few days and then went over to yosemite so it's like 10 days into the trip before we actually got to yosemite so your plan was to go do belly full of bad berries that was always part of the plan no the plan was to go and learn how to like do relevant crack sizes like hand like fists down to fingers and we got distracted by a roof off with which is completely we did it on the first day we, we went like <laughs> hand crack and finger crack climbing on the first day and we learned loads and then we were like well we gotta go and try bellyful don't we <laughs> <laughs> so i think that was interesting though from the outside looking in because now, I had because we had Billy talking about it before you guys went for the push. I had a couple of um, Yosemite old boys or people who've been there send me a few messages on Instagram. And the general consensus was that you guys had no clue what you were getting yourself into. And you were you were <laughs> in for a rude awakening was I basically what it was. And I apologize because the person who messaged me this will also probably be listening to this. But I won't name you. But... The suggestion was that you wouldn't get anywhere close and that it would be an incredibly embarrassing <laughs> experience for you. But I think that general, that was kind of part of the, uh, you know, milieu. But I think when Alex flashed belly full of bad berries, I think some people thought there was actually a chance. Which is totally unreasonable because it's not related to <laughs> Yosemite crack climbing in the slightest. Like belly full, belly full's hard, but it's it is it's hard in a style that is like nothing else in the entire world basically there there are a few roof off whips where you climb in the same style yosemite crack climbing isn't perfect cracks the whole time hard yosemite crack climbing is like pods so the whole like style of yosemite is built around pin scars so all of the first ascents were done with pitons that they banged into cracks and over the last 50 years or so, those cracks have all slowly widened out into these like into these pod shapes. So those range from like good finger locks all the way down to like weird, like slopey hand jams. So it's just way more technical than anything in Indian Creek. One of the things that w- when we went to Indian Creek and I said, oh, we- we've come to Indian Creek to learn how to crack climb before we go to Yosemite. It's probably not the most uh, the most accurate thing I've ever said, but people were like, well, that's that's stupid they're not related at all they're totally pointless I, I, and to be honest they were they were right um, <laughs> I, no, I i think some of the stuff we did was was relevant at least for gaining a little bit of confidence like blasting up like middle middle 11s low 12s on like fingers or layback and stuff like i do think that stuff was was relevant and just like placing gear in cracks and like believing that it's not just you're not just soloing the whole way which at least for me was very relevant yeah it took uh, some time. like actually believing the gear works i uh, it's it being efficient on like big hands and crack uh, and fists felt really important because yeah. fist is like a weird size where if you're not very good at it it feels like the living end but if you're if you're confident and solid then you just move really fast and it's it's not that hard 
Um, so climbing on some some consistently fist-sized stuff at Indian Creek was really worthwhile. Yeah, that bit definitely was relevant. But yeah, belly, like there's there's no overlap whatsoever. There's not really any overlap with like climbing. Like the like being able to do sit-ups is more relevant than climbing. But very <laughs> I've discovered that I'm not very good at sit-ups. Oh right. Did you did you did you did you do it, Bill? No, no. I as I had I had the first go on it got like not that far into like the proper off whipsy section alex flashed it and then i was like oh i don't want to give up so we came back the next day and i had another go um because at least for me i cannot have more than one go on that style because it's like absurdly tiring um i had like the battle of my life on my second go to get like two foot further than my first go um <laughs> <laughs> right. I might at some point put the footage. It was a good fight. It's, it's hilarious. It's very sad to watch. Like, like, <laughs> like ten minutes of me battling in like basically the same place in the crack, and I like my feet will go up like a couple of inches, and my hands will move up a little bit, um, and it looks like I'm making good progress. And then like a foot will just slide a little bit, and I'll end up exactly back where I was. <laughs> and then I'll like take my hands out of the crack to like rest for a moment, and then be too tired to do a sit up to put them back where they were. So I end up putting them back in the crack lower than they were again. So I was just like snaking up and down the same bit of crack. Like, <laughs> it's so sad. All of this while progressively getting like th- the whimpering just got sadder and sadder the whole time. <laughs> he realized he wasn't moving. We're going to need to see this footage. <laughs> and, like, I, I fell off and it wasn't like Alex was like, oh, good effort. He just burst into laughter immediately I start. like as i was sliding out of the crack <laughs> it was like, no sympathy i was like this is fucking brilliant <laughs> i just because the day before i'd felt exactly the same way and i knew quite how miserable it was <laughs> there's a point in that like iterative process where like you know there's just going to be diminishing returns of every attempt when you're going down <laughs> It's probably that. <laughs> it's great because it's it's one of the few climbing styles where you can. The only way you can fall off is by giving up, and yeah, like give it. Like you can stop moving, but the only way you're actually going to come out of the crack is if you give up and, and slide out. Um, but it's yeah miserable so eventually you tap out it's like (laughs) eventually you can take the pummeling no longer that is something you don't get in many other genres of climbing yeah i go so far beyond the suffering that you get in any other style of climbing that i've done it's it's not it's not close (laughs) but after 20 minutes on the on my flash go after 20 minutes i got to the top and clip the chains and i like my last energy i like screamed out my last energy and then I just like hung on the rope and I felt like I was just totally limp everywhere. And my feet hurt so much, but I couldn't, my hip flexors were so tired that I couldn't lift my feet up while hanging on the rope to untie my shoes. And I just like, it's probably like <laughs> two or three minutes of sitting like that, just my feet in absolute agony and I couldn't take them off. It's just that, like, ugh. wow. How was the aftermath of that? Do you just get full body doms for days? It was my legs mostly. So like my hips, and then like, cause your, your whole leg is in the crack most of the time. So it's doms on your uh, ankles. So, so I, yeah. you know, like when you toe hook for a long time, that and muscle shins. gets like yeah. tired. Yeah, yeah. It's that, but, but times like a hundred, that was the biggest pain in my entire body. Like that was, that felt like the limiting factor that they, those were as pumped as like my forearms on a sport route. 
uh, wow. like more so than anything. And then the the, I, the next day, I was just limping around. I felt like it was an absolute ruin. Like it just breaks you. <laughs> and was that was that it? Was that the last of the prep before you went into Yosemite? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then we just drove there. <laughs> we just drove there. Drove into the valley. Absolutely. First off, driving into the valley is one of the most ridiculous experiences I've ever <laughs> like come across. I I've got like great videos of Billy while he's driving and almost running over tourists, like just like pointing through the trees. Like, look at that! Look at that! It's massive. So we drove straight in. We drove to the meadow and we just walked up to the nose. We climbed the like five three scramble. And stood underneath it and was like, "Yeah, right, we're going to do it." Um, and then the next day, we we started from the ground and we we went up, and that was it for the rest of the trip. Yeah, because you never you didn't try anything else in Yosemite. You just tried the nose. Was yeah. that just because of time? Like, mm, yeah. Well, we kind of like we had ideas of trying a few other things. Like, we were pretty excited about getting on Astro Man. Um, we had like grand designs of trying free rider as well, maybe, but like basically it became very clear that the nose was going to require like all the time and energy that we had. And it just didn't really make any sense to be distracted by anything else because like any of the learning that we were going to get, it was just going to be more specific learning if we were just doing, doing it on the nose. So yeah, we like after, I don't know, the first few days or a week, we just like, okay this is us we this is what we're here to do uh it doesn't really matter if we don't do anything else because like this is the experience that we're here for it's like it's it's a great experience regardless so yeah we're all in mm. yeah wow. it was a pretty rude awakening though the, like the first day the first day we decided to start from the bottom and just go up kind of in multi-pitch style not um not worrying about any of the big wall shenanigans and hauling and stuff we just climbed it like a big wall and oh sorry like a multi-pitch and then wherever we got to we were going to wrap off um within a pitch well no we start we were climbing up and then we we saw a guy <laughs> coming, coming down and we, we like had a quick conversation it was we were like oh we're from the uk or whatever and he was like oh do you know those two guys who were like coming to try and climb the nose the comp climbers <laughs> was like, those idiots don't know those idiots if i see yeah. them i'll let you know <laughs> but we, we like so billy climbed the first pitch like pretty nicely it looked good and then i got proper off route on the second pitch and that the, one of the kind of tricky things about the nose is it, it's an aid route like there's parties on it all the time there's probably i don't know like three or four parties starting a day either going for a naiad or like going for a like wall ascent so there's always people, is a, a nose in a day which right. is becomes pretty relevant for the like logistics of how how you like plan attempts and there's a lot of like trying to pass people or all that stuff anyway it's an aid route so the bolts and and topo and stuff are all designed for people to aid climb so me being a sport climber i climbed up on the second pitch clipped the bolt and was like cool there's a bolt here I'll just keep going. And so I like got up onto a slab and I was like, oh, Billy, I'm a bit scared. And that couldn't find any holds, nothing. Eventually got stood up quite far above it. It was like, well, I'll just keep going. Eventually there'll be some holds. And then two pitches in Yosemite took a massive whipper, like fell like 20 feet, spinning around a corner, all that stuff, like two pitches up on the first from, day. From like, below, it looked pretty bad because he like fell like, and it's really slabby at that point. Um, when you're two pitches up so you like tumble down and kind of like 
momentarily stopped and then just like whipped around because he'd been on this corner and then like back slammed around this corner into the face. So I'm just looking like, oh dear. Ooh. <laughs> but it, it turns out on that pitch, the you you have to climb the crack on the left, clip the bolt, and then down climb like 15 feet. And then you'd like traverse around like this slab, like no holds, but just this this kind of slabby ramp. You like pad across it, like a proper little comp slab into another crack system. So the A climbers go up, clip that bolt, and then they just pendulum across into the other crack system and off they go. But uh, there's right. a lot of stuff like that where we're just like, we weren't yeah, normally the bolts really on crack. Obvious. It's pretty clear, yeah. but yeah. And, and, and the entire like first half of the route, like the difficult bits are basically the face climbing in between the crack systems and they just like all the a climbers as alex said they get there clip a bolt and like do a lower out and swing to the next crack system and then so nobody ever climbs them there's like there's no chalk there's not really much information beyond a really vague topo where they've just drawn a line like there's no chalk or anything so like Mm. doing the route finding was actually for those like little sections was quite tricky and so if you were on it doing a, you know, trying to climb it when these guys are going to pendulum across, mm. is, does that mean that you cause a bit of a like potential log jam because they can't pendulum pass? It you depends. It, so there's some kind of weird dynamics on the nose. So you've got three different types of parties. So you've got like the, the classic way is like wall style. So people get on and then they generally spend between three and five days on the wall um, hauling as they go and kind of generally sleeping in the same kind of spots. Like normally at the, there's about five ledges on the route where people camp out. Um, then there's naiad parties um, who are, that's nose in a day. So in the first half of the route, quite a lot of people do um, like practice the first 10 pitches to be efficient. Um, but there's quite a lot of variation. Of it. Some of them are going at absolute ridiculous pace, like five or six hours for the whole thing. And they just don't stop. They never, never do anything. So, um, and then you'll have some slightly slower ones. Generally, the etiquette is you let pass to faster party, both for your your sake and theirs. Like if you're climbing slowly and you have somebody like chomping at your heels the whole time, it's it's not a very fun experience and it's Mm. not very enjoyable to be sort of stuck behind a party who are moving a bit slower. So generally it's pretty obvious who's moving faster. And if they're moving faster, you have a discussion and try and find a way of like coming past. Um, we, when we were f- like freeing, we generally move quite quickly. Um, so we would pass people quite frequently or like find alternative ways around, but it's just kind of a conversation between people. We did have one situation where we were, uh, working, um, a pitch at the top. Um, we were working changing corners and there were three of us on the ledge cause my partner had come out to, um, take some photos and stuff so we had a war party come up and meet us on camp six so that was a, a team of three and then a, a slow no a slower naiad party came up and met us on the ledge as well um and then a faster naiad party also passed them at the same time so we had 12 people all on this ledge and like climbing the same pitch at once and so for us that was like we have got to get out of here as quickly as possible like this is this is a cluster yeah uh, <laughs> and, and this ledge is like i don't know four foot by six foot with eight people stood in it and then like <laughs> four people on the pitch like simultaneously at different levels of leading and then we've got like two fixed lines hanging down that we've been working on like it was just in pandemonium 
Uh, so yeah, we were like, right, we need to get the hell out of here and stop causing <laughs> causing chaos because like we're the we're the odd ones out. Um, everyone else at least is going in the right direction. Um, so in terms of popularity, is the nose the most popular, or is is it free rider or what, or is it? I think the nose is the most the most travelled route um, by a climbers, but there's basically nobody on it trying to free climb it. Mm. Like the, one other party whilst we were there, abbed in and had a look at changing corners for like a day, um, and then climbed back out and tried something else. Um, so yeah, it's I yeah I think free riding has a reasonable amount of people on it going going free climbing at least later in the season. But yeah, um, yeah, really busy mm. for for aid climbers on the nose nobody touching it for for free climbing really but it's a funny it's a funny kind of it's like buses you wait for like some days we wouldn't see anyone yeah. so we'd be up on changing corners and we wouldn't we wouldn't see or hear anyone for one or two days and then sometimes it would just be like five people coming through for the whole day so i yeah. think people get kind of constantined up during the 30 pitches over multiple days and then they quite often kind of come together mm. Um, mm. so it, it makes working well it made working changing corners a bit trickier because like we can't just like monopolize the route for that or that pitch for the whole day. So if there's an A party that comes through, it's like they're going to be on it for between 45 minutes and two hours, depending on how fast they're going. And like it's only in the sun, it's only in the shade until about 10 30 in the morning. So we, and, and as soon as it's in the sun, it's like kind of not worth trying it anymore just because it's so friction dependent. So it's, it's quite hard to manage all of those factors together. It makes, it makes it less or it makes it just a, a little bit harder. But were yeah. people? Yeah, we had a couple. Of, I was going to uh, say how, yeah, we had, how we, supportive people were out there. Uh, it, it varied, but most people were were just like psyched to be there. I'd say, like, because you like you're halfway up a big wall, like you've got an immediate thing to sort of like befriend each other over and have a little bit of camaraderie with. So most people were just like, "Hell yeah, man, get after it. It's all good." And like, as long as you're trying to be respectful. Um, a few people were like a bit frostier to start with because like what we're doing is like is out of line with what everyone else is doing is like a little bit inconvenient um but like we just tried to be as respectful as we possibly could be um and like have a conversation try and be super super friendly and get out of the way as quickly as we could um so we had a couple of sessions on changing corners where we like repelled down and there was somebody on it first thing or like somebody about to get it on, on it first thing and so our session was a bit shit basically because we couldn't get on it until the um until the sun sun was already on it but like is what it is like it's everyone's it's everyone's rock isn't it so mm. um yeah so boiling it boiling it all down is sort of there's two really like two pitches that are considerably harder than the others right there's the great roof and there's changing corners yeah what's besides that what's like the most difficult thing would you say it was more just the little connections uh there there were probably four or five pitches of like mid 12 so like between 7a and 7c that had potential to cause a little bit of issue but those are the two that were really going to like slow us down anything yeah. else if we've fallen off we'd have always done it in a couple more goes um mm. yeah but the the real challenge of the whole thing is doing all of that the at least 20 pitches up to great roof and the pitches in the middle without 
totally wrecking yourself. Like it's the, the changing corners is hard enough where you had to get there with like not being too fatigued. Yeah. And that was always an unknown for us because like neither of us have any experience on trying to do a hard pitch after 25 other pitches and like five days living on a wall. Like we just had no concept of how, how that was going to feel. And the first couple of days when we did it, like, I think we did seven pitches on the first day and then we did like 10 pitches another day after that, we were totally wrecked mm. like the next day. So wow. it, yeah. It yeah. Like <laughs> not to like, uh, out, you had a little bit of a stinker on the first day as well. <laughs> I did not have a very good first day. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, there was like there, so there's like a, to a magical there's two start. of these like two of these pitches where you like go in between crack systems, which are like 11D and 12A, but yeah. at least in my opinion, have like the hardest moves on them outside of great roof and changing corners. There's harder <laughs> graded pitches above that, but like there's pretty hard moves down there, um, yeah. and it was flipping boiling. Um, I think we were both li- maybe a little bit, I know, a little bit stressed and just like not climbing super well first day on, yeah. so. You had a few falls, and I felt yeah, very I, close to like, falling off. One, one 12A section where I like my, felt like my shoes were falling apart. Like it was warm enough where the rubber was. It didn't, like, it didn't feel like they were falling. They were falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> were, I was like looking down at the bottom of my shoe, and there's like a hole in the center as it like depressed backwards. Um, but my skin was falling apart. Like I on the first day, I was like trying to do this boulder problem on the 12A, fully ripped off a crimp and just like ripped my nail back and like split into two and i'm like oh come on like this is day one of possibly like eight on the wall this ain't <laughs> this ain't a good start <laughs> oh okay wow and then and then we had day two where like first pitch up you ran it out on an off whip section and then got yeah didn't take enough gear <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so it we off of dalt tower it was like pitch 11 and 12 pitch 11 you like go down across and then back up and it's it's only like a 510 so we're like okay we'll link these together didn't read the topic beforehand so didn't take enough big gear but i got um i ran out of big enough gear for the crack it was like just a little bit wider than fists um probably 15 meters from the anchors maybe a bit (sighs) yeah yeah is it 15 meters before the anchors i got another like i got about eight eight or nine meters above the piece and I'm starting to get sweaty because I didn't put enough chalk in my chalk bag and it's a little bit warm and I'm not having very much fun. I've run out of gear. So I put my knee into this like slightly widened pod and I was like, oh, finally, like a little bit of a break. Like I'm going to be fine now. Like I'm a bit scared. I know I've not got any more gear. I'm just going to carry on. And I, I go to get my knee out and it's just like, it won't come out. So I turn around and I'm like, oh, my knee's stuck. And I've just got like boogie to your poop, like running around in my head, like multiple times. <laughs> So I'm, I'm like, just down there like there's nothing I can say I'm just like nah mate it's fine just wiggle it around <laughs> a bit you'll be alright <laughs> very Probably aware of how far a... above his gear he is a minute to like rip my knee out and when it finally came out it jerked out so hard that it almost ripped me off the wall <laughs> so, oh. then, so like I did end up doing it but it was and I got to the top of it it was like oh god that must have been so hard it was like 11B or something how hard was uh, it? No, nah, nah, mate, it was 5'10". No, it was. <laughs> it was 5'10". <five>, <laughs> I'm going to look at the top of it right now. I, I, got up to the, I got up to the anchor after that, and Alex had, like, the, the bags had then also got stuck when he was hauling them after he'd had this experience with his knee, and like, you were not in the best place when I got there. I was like two pitches in on the day, and I'm already having an absolutely miserable 
time. <laughs> that was that was the least fun thirty minutes of the whole trip. I think the whole adventure. That, that little bit, yeah. That was oh, wow. uh, the, the the two nights we spent being rained on. I was at least <laughs> worse for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> we will get to that. But <laughs> we, get, yeah. we should go back. We should talk about the the working at. I guess. That's yeah, a, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Slightly more yeah. chronological. Uh, well, I was kind of wondering that when you were talking about like the the real difficulty of it being not necessarily the climbing itself, but getting there fresh enough to have the energy to do it and doing like seven pitches one day, 10 the next day, like you're doing a lot of like climbing and just moving. Um, obviously the working it is very different, right? Like I imagine when you're working it, if you fall off, you don't necessarily have to like go back to the start of the, the pit. Do you get much of an idea of like how tiring it is to do all of these pitches? To a certain extent, just because everything that we're doing is just a lot of work, like a different kind of work, but like going up to work, changing corners, we have to hike to the top of El Cap with all of our shit, which like the first couple of times we did it, we took like all of our water, like more gear than we needed, the the port alleged that we weren't going to use, four ropes, like, like the heaviest bag you can imagine hiking it up a flipping mountain alongside like uh jugging up fixed lines and hauling it like that the first time we did that that took us six hours like an entire day and was absolutely like just ruined us uh and then you've got to fix all the ropes down to changing corners work it and then um ascend back out again bivy on the top like everything that you're doing is just like hard work and a lot of logistics um, so it's not the same as actually going for the push, but it's it's the same kind of fatigue and it's the same kind of problem solving skills. Um, so it felt like good prep, even if it wasn't the same thing. Yeah, it, it sort of removed the climbing element mostly, like because we we're only trying mm-hmm. the yeah, which was good for us because like the, all the other stuff is what we really needed to refine. How many sessions did you get on the two crux pitches beforehand? seven pitches seven sessions on changing corners two sessions on great roof okay so the great roof is did you feel it was is significantly easier then it's quite a bit easier but it's also a four leg to get to um it, like to get to the great roof we we hiked everything for, to the top for four days uh, like for four days of, of work and then we wrapped down the entirety of the nose so 30 pitches of of wrapping uh, we spent a morning on changing corners and then carried on down to the great roof where we spent two days and like camped out at camp four. Um, and then we wrapped all the way to the ground from there, which was a four yeah. or five hour repel. Yeah. Um, so it was like an entire big walling experience in reverse, um, to work the, work the pitch basically. So we, after the two sessions, we were like not as happy with it as we would maybe I like to be. Interested. Um, but we, we like, uh, it's good enough. I don't want to do that again. Had, had, had either of you? Did either of you do it? No, I, I was fell off the. I fell off the last move twice, seconding, but fell off the last move twice. I was. I was pretty optimistic for Great Roof. Um, mm. Alex I'd was like less link happy. Section. Yeah, I'd link roof section, but like there's a there's forty meters of climbing to go to get there. So yeah, and, and could you ex- explain the climbing on it a little bit? Yeah, so it's. It's mega. It's like one of the we we kept like gushing about how good a pitch it was while yeah. we were up there. So the yeah. the great roof starts off. So it's this it's this rising um flake essentially. So the flake slowly gets steeper and steeper until all of a sudden you're in this like t- 
totally horizontal, like gigantic roof. And it's like one of the pictures that you can see from the meadow, just like perfect, like arch line from the ground. So it's 11. Sorry, go on. Yeah, it's 11D, the first section, which is like 7A-ish, which doesn't sound that hard, but it's it's enough to get you like a little bit pumped. And it's just mint because you're going up it and like the tension is building as you're going. You're like, you're getting close to the roof. It's like, oh, it's getting bigger. But it just gets harder the whole way up. (laughs) So yeah, you slowly builds get slowly to the end builds. of that. And then it's like a little boulder problem and then like a sort of slightly worse rest and then a slightly harder boulder problem and a slightly worse worse rest until you get to the roof. And then you get like some bad holes to sort of take a breath on and chalk on and then you just have to punch the roof out. Um, and it's like the one of like the most intricate, like involved sequences that I've, I've ever done on a roof where you're like using terrible feet and you don't just end up in the pin scars that there's certain sections on it where they just run out and you have to uh, literally like palm into the roof. And it's like full, so like comp style, like pressing behind you, lifting your body up, doing little body transitions to move your feet around. And uh, it's, it's men. It sounds like yeah. an exhausting pitch as well. It's really exhausting. So the, yeah. the you're, you do get pumped like in your arms, but I found my feet were by far the biggest limiting yeah. factor. Because you're just, especially in the roof, you're pushing more than your body weight down through these little footholds the whole time. But you've also been pushing a load of weight through them the whole time, and it's just slowly increasing the amount that you're putting through them. So in all the rest, you're trying to like get blood back into your feet and like recover them as much as possible. So I, I found that I fell off mostly because my feet totally numbed out, or I just like didn't have the, the strength to like push through toes anymore, even through yeah. even like a really stiff pair of boots. So, and yeah. I guess because it's so long and exhausting, falls on the push go towards the end would be pretty. The the uh, great yeah, like... funny. I felt like we could have a load of goes at changing corners, and it wouldn't make that much difference. But the great roof, if if you had like some slips in the roof, or like kind of later on, if you pumped out, it's so physically draining that you wouldn't be able to have that many goes a day. So you can't actually roll the dice that many times. Yeah psychologically yeah. that makes it hard if you if you do have a late fall so that was that was what you had going in with the great roof what what yeah. was the situation at changing corners uh i so alex was doing good on it i was doing less good um like so my like kind of ex, not expectation but my hope with kind of both the pitches really was before we went to the push to have to have like linked the hard sections um, and like be pretty confident that I could do them. Um, in like the, either the last session or the penultimate session, Alex linked the hard section of changing corners and looked really good on it. Like even the goes that he didn't, you didn't do it. Like you're doing good links and I like, look pretty convincing on it. Um, I never linked it. I'd done it in like two sections Um and it felt like possible, but I never had a go where I was actually like, yeah, I was going to, I was going to do it that go. Um, which I, yeah, I was stressed about that, especially considering like we had seven sessions at that point. Like that's already the most number of sessions I've ever put into any single pitch. Um, and I'd like, I'd, I'd not linked it. Um, <laughs> so my, like after that, like I would have wanted more working sessions than, than we had, yeah. but we only had a, a like, a week left of the trip basically like we we were out of time i was going to fly home so it was it was time to go for the push irrespective of how prepared we felt um so my confidence for that pitch was 
like pretty low. I um, I had more confidence for Billy than he had for himself in that. Situation. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I like I did have some faith. I was like, I it'll, it'll just come together. Like things will things will switch on when we get there. Like I was I was clinging on to that, but I wasn't going <laughs> up there. Like yeah, this is going to happen. Could you could you briefly describe the climbing on that pitch as well? Oh, it's mega. So it's this like it's it's five ten. So it's these two double cracks, like hands ish, that you you can just bounce up. Um, and then you get to a no hands rest and in the no hands rest sort of marks the start of the, the like changing corners difficulties. So it's an arete slash groove. So you reach out to an arete, um, and then you kick your feet across and then it's choose your own adventure a little bit. So originally it was done by, um, Lynn, she gets the arete and then gets straight into the groove. And it's, it's described as the Houdini pitch. Cause she does all this like shenanigans, like shuffling herself up the groove. Um, then the other extreme, uh, Babsy and Jacopo got there when the all the pin scars in the back were wet, and they just used the arete on the outside and just lay back the whole thing, which it seems totally insane. Both we kind of those of, versions seem ridiculous to me. It makes no sense. So we we kind of have a mixture, and we both do quite a similar beta, which is kind of unlikely, given that we're pretty different sizes. But we have this combination of being on the arete, going into the groove, coming back out onto the arete and then going back into the groove for the finish. So it's this, the, the, all the moves getting out onto the arete again, are quite kind of thrutchy and body, um, body strengthy, uh, but everything in the groove is really technical and precise. And the feet, the feet are absolutely ass. They're horrendous. So the like, whole way, the, like you the don't whole get way. a breather for your feet at all. It, it, there's like three or four footholds that you really use on kind of the right side. And they are tiny. They're like, they're the worst footholds I've ever used on, on a climb um the first two were like smeary and then there's just this this one in the middle that i was having a lot of problems with that's just like a teeny tiny like half centimeter triangular crystal that you've got to like press all your weight for and get up above it but you you kind of use a combination of yeah it's like you chuck your body in and then you're like kind of using the pin scars in the back and pressing around and it's mm -hmm. supremely technical like the first time we got on it i i barely even found the holds never mind like any mm -hmm. kind of move through it Mm. Um, it it took us a really really long time to be able to like actually like hold a sequence in our heads because it's like you sort of have to see climbing in a slightly different way like we're pretty used to climbing basically from four points our hands and our feet where it's just like it's not that useful to think about it in that way because you're spending so much time using like a knee or a hip or like rather than like the positioning of of your hands or your feet is more about the positioning of of your body relative to this face so it's just like really detail orientated to retain all of the all of this positioning and just be able to like like visualize it to yourself basically um so that was, it was like a lot of sessions of just making little little refinements there were little refinements that would then make quite a big difference um even when they sort of seemed quite quite insignificant it's mm. it's a fun pitch to work hard on though because you can you can try hard for like you can do a bad job a little bit of a couple of moves but if you start to do a bad job of multiple moves in a row then you're totally done so it's like you you don't have to be totally perfect the whole way through but you do have to be perfect on enough of the moves that it doesn't stack together to the point where you just like you you fall off um yeah so it, 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 you can fight on it in a in a way that we weren't expecting to begin with. Um, but 
that is a thing I always thought, right, with like big walling like that, it's very different to sport climbing, but especially bouldering in that like the detail in which you can go into on the moves, like obviously in bouldering, you can go into so like so much detail and retain so much information about every move because maybe there's only like five or 10 of them. Whereas like on a big wall, like, there's thousands like there's only like so much you can know about all the moves and obviously in that style of climbing there's a lot of like adjustments which like might not look like moves but they're kind of like it's a bit squirmy a bit like like you were saying the body position almost matters as much as doing the moves kind of thing um there's only so much you can retain about these uh the details of these moves i guess right um so i feel like yeah like how much of it felt like it was psychological preparation as opposed to just like physically adapting to the climbing as well. So the, the nose is a funny one in that like, yes, th- yes, it's 30 pitches long, but actually the, the entire ascent came down really to those seven meters on changing corners. So it felt like we, it felt a bit like we were climbing 30 pitches to go in red point or hard sport route or 25 pitches to go in red point or hard sport route or, and then that sport route devolves down into um, one boulder problem that's seven meters long. So actually, it felt a lot, it felt a lot more <sighs> like working a boulder problem than yeah. than working like working multi pitch. Um, oh, sweet! It sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is part of the part of the reasons why we chose it, and that like it's a massive multi pitch that kind of hinges on a supremely technical boulder problem, which is like what both me and Alex get really excited about. It's um, nose is actually quite a good pick like so we 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 were like okay we're gonna go climb the nose and then it felt a bit ridiculous and then actually when we dug into it it was the style of the hard stuff is what we're like pretty good at actually it's like a comp boulder really like it's, oh, i think it's that's that's the only thing that i've done in climbing which i can at least kind of relate to the style is comp slab climbing like you're you're standing on wow. bad feet you're like pressing the, the body, the way you move your body is a lot more like compy stuff. Like w- sort of when we got there and started like walking around on the slabs and stuff, I, I think on the first day we did like a couple of coordination moves, like kicking out to flakes and like kind of hopping across the big stuff. Like the style actually felt, yeah, pretty reminiscent of what, what we've been doing for a long time. Which is so funny, isn't it? Because that's like the general um, consensus people would have is that, this should be the furthest possible thing away from modern comp climbing. I think that the climbing in Yosemite is closer to modern comp bouldering than, than modern outdoor bouldering is like, Mm. or hot take, but you might be right. I think that's about right. (laughs) You might be right. (laughs) So maybe it's where it all comes from. (laughs) This is sort of, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I think that if like, there are a lot of styles that are unrepresented in comp climbing that I think could, you could draw from like sort of the weirdness of track climbing comps kind of, they rely on kind of weird moves that people don't know. Um, and even climbing like kind of mid 11, 12 stuff in like a big groove or whatever, you would get such odd, like body Englishy sort of climbing really like intuition based and like sort of moving your whole body and like trying to feel out positions that I think would work really well in comps. This, this is a bit of a tangent. So I, I went and set Blockfest after we got back. Um, I just felt like I was like viewing setting in 
quite a different way coming off a trip like that. Like I've spent six weeks moving in a different way to what I'm used to, not climbing in a like like traditional like uh, a commercial setting style at all. Um, I just went in feeling like I had so much like, novel movement to explore. Um, yeah, like I felt a recipe like for setting sandbags. <laughs> Uh, uh, potentially but also just like it just like opened my eyes that there's like uh, there's a lot of opportunity there for uh new new stuff in indoor climbing which is actually really old classical stuff for rock climbing um yeah i think there's there's crossover to be had there that isn't really being exploited currently Um, do you think there's a sense that it's almost like it could eventually come full circle because it's like that sort of squirmy style like old school work setting could come all the way around to then being back as like a very good way of getting a split in a comp field because it's so hard to flash yeah and when everybody's so strong like if you set a a strength-based boulder so either everybody's going to do it or everybody isn't whereas kind of something a bit squirmier than it could be yeah a little bit i i hope it comes back i think that's part of why me and alex stopped competing because it got too strengthy and we couldn't do it anymore (laughs) 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 from the outside looking in it looks like the like unlikelyometer is fully over on unlikely at this point because you're going to have to go for the push there was a bit of rain around neither of you have actually led clean either of the crux routes yeah sorry i i when we left the ground i think we were at a 50 percent confidence level i was at 35 percent tops you were more confident (laughs) than me for sure (laughs) i was trying to bring i was trying to bring the psych up (laughs) (laughs) i was psyched i was really psyched i just wasn't confident we were planning to go to the for the push we'd pre-hauled a bag 10 pitches up so we were going to go climb up and meet it um we were planning to have two days of rest after that but the forecast was predicting rain on what would have been day two. Um, so the choice was, do we wait out the rain on the ground? And then as soon as it dries out, we'll go for a push and we'll go for it. That could have, with Billy's flight being the the hard deadline, that would have probably left us with like, was it three or four days? Or four days I on think the it was. I think it was like four and a half days maybe like um like in theory enough time but like no wiggle room at all that's like do all the pitches first day no mistakes um we'd originally planned for seven days on the wall so that would have given us like uh two or three days of like of messing up a pitch and potentially a rest day before changing corners um with the rain coming we decided to uh go a day early climb two days up to camp four just before the great roof. Uh, so about 20 pitches and then wait out the rain. And we had a port ledge with a fly. So we were, we were sorted. We were going to be fine. We were just going to sit there and it'd be a bit dull, but um, we'd be able to, we'd be then better set up for the rest of the route. Um, yeah, and we, once it dried, we had, we'd then have uh, four, four or five days to, to go at like the meat of the climbing. Um, so it seemed like the, the sensible choice. And, you have to excuse me because 90% of my very, very small knowledge base about big wall climbing comes from I've watched the Dawn Wall on Netflix. But if, did you guys have to have like a conversation at any point as to like what happens if one of you is stuck on like 
the big roof and the other one does it at what point do you have to let do you let someone go ahead or so we, I, yeah we, I, we, I don't know if we did we have a full conversation i think that the the expectation was always that we would stay and until the last possible moment like the, mm-hmm. the, the other person would stay behind the great roof because so we'd actually stash some water at uh, camp six so we only had limited water for kind of the first half before we had to go and meet the rest of the water up the top so we would have run out of time we would have run out of water on the great roof after two days so if we didn't do it on the second day then we'd have had to carry on and go and get the water on the top um right so and, and, and the same the- is true I mean, the same is true of like changing changing corners like, is there some point that someone would have because like the real fear really in my head was that it would kind of suck if one of you did it and one of you didn't worst possible like worst case scenario like yeah Um, yeah yeah i mean basically if we if we ran out of if one person had done the hard pitch and we were out of supplies like there's 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 no alternative like the person who's not done it goes into support mode to make sure the other person gets to the top and we don't like starve while somebody bashes their head against it um had you had an explicit conversation about that kind of a bit like acknowledging uh, that or was it kind of just like i think we both accepted. just sort of under, understood that that was that was a potential yeah. outcome we um, kind of spoke yeah. about it afterwards of like, there's no yeah. point having having the discussion until it's like until it's time mm. well mm. i don't know this is this is part of like being a good partnership was that like i i have the full full trust in billy that he would do whatever he could to make this like to make my ascent successful and i i hope he had the same like feeling yeah, towards me. Yeah. if like when i yeah if i'd have when i sent changing corners first at that point i was like fully support mode i knew that i was yeah. i knew that i was going to go to the top and it was all about like making sure billy got there so if if he'd have changed his flight and like given himself an extra two days then i could have quite happily lived on a liter of water for for two days to make sure that he he had like full supplies to get to the top or whatever so it's just like i'd said i was like i don't really want to end up like making alex wither away <laughs> i'd have been fine it would have been right <laughs> shrivel like a prune in the sun i'm not thirsty actually mate you have a bit extra <laughs> alex i just need you to drink your own urine at this point that's that- <laughs> <laughs> so that's that is probably the best bit about this trip for me is that it actually felt like a team ascent like i've worked routes with well, like we've worked routes together in the past yeah. i've worked boulders with people together i've been on trips with people but it always feels like your own experience it's always your mission in working it and it's like nice to have support around that but in this like we're carrying each other's water we're like psyching each other up if one of us sends and one of us doesn't like it wouldn't have felt like a it wouldn't have felt like a send. So when Billy did changing corners, it that was way better than me doing it. Way better. And it's that's a pretty yeah, cool. And I, I had in, in a lesser way because the stakes weren't quite as high. But when Alex did, I did a great roof first, and then Alex did it afterwards. So it's likewise when he did great roof, and we're like, we're we're through the pitch, we're going on. Like that was a better feeling to me because it's like we're we're progressing on as a team. Like we're going up. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah. Sh- as Alex sh- said, like it's a true team ascent. Should sh- we jump back into the chronological ascent? <laughs> the chronological <laughs> yeah, yeah. ascent. 
we've ruined we've, it. We've gone all over the place chronologically. <laughs> but I think of our chronological story, we were only on pitch two or something with Alex falling off. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I'm guessing yeah, you... jumping around. We went from there to working it. So let's assume you've done all of your working. You had two days on Great Roof. You've had eight days on Changing Corners. It's kind of still kind of a question mark of how well rehearsed they are. But you've committed to it and Billy's flight, there's not much margin for margin for error. There's not much leeway. There's rain on the forecast. Like you've had a shit couple of days to start with. You've got bad skin. Your shoes are falling apart. Like I feel like that's, that's where we are in the story, right? Now. Yeah. And then, now and we, then it starts raining. Then it starts <laughs> raining. So we, we got the camp four and we knew that rain was forecast, but like, we were flicking through five or six different forecasts. And Billy, normally I'm quite optimistic and Billy's quite pessimistic. The opposite was true. I was like, it's going to rain for two days straight. We're not going to have anything. And Billy was like, no, nah, I don't think it's going to rain. Like maybe we'll be able to climb tomorrow. Um, I just found myself a really optimistic forecast. I was like, nah, this one doesn't oh, really think it's going to rain. Like the I other love six those days, forecasts. this one, like <laughs> this one's got a back. This one's like, nah, nah, it's all good guys. You, you got it. So, um, 4 p.m. Yeah. starts pissing down with rain. So we've, we're sat in the portal edge and we've got the fly up. So it, the portal edge fly is like a little tent that sits over the top. Yeah. Which um, for the entire trip, we've been like, we should, um, we should like get the fly out and make sure we know how to use it. Um, we'd never done that. Like we had not, we'd not <laughs> used the fly until it started raining. We actually needed it. <laughs> and so it's raining. Oh, no. We're like, we're inside. Like, I'm pretty sure that clips to there. Like, does that make sense? Is that going to work? Um, <laughs> no, Wait, this is like the set. tent that you like sleep yeah, in. yeah that you put it over the portal edge yeah yeah we'd never used it until it started raining oh wow okay I, for <laughs> wow. context we were borrowing um tom randall's uh 30 year old like I, so I don't i yeah i don't know exactly how old it is but basically tom's had it for a really long time and he traded it from a yosemite old boy was what he told me when he got it so unclear how old this portal edge is except that it's really old and um, it's like there's so you adjust all the straps to like get it flat when you put it in a place but three of the straps are broken so we had to like makeshift make like adjustable cord. so yeah, you can't really adjust it properly so it like you would never really get it properly flat um and like i'm like i'm a, like me and i aren't the same weight so like you'd have to try and like compensate for that a little bit so that alex didn't end up like super uphill and me super downhill but we never really <laughs> figured that out like we'd normally just end up on a so slope. what about the portal edge what about the portal edge made us think that the fly was going to be totally waterproof <laughs> i have no idea it just um, never even crossed my mind that the like the fly might like being 30 years old or whatever like might not be in tip-top condition i just assumed it'd work <laughs> basically, <laughs> getting that's the up. attitude yeah so it, to be to be clear it didn't leak like there weren't yeah. any holes in it it just wasn't really very waterproof uh, well that water, sounds like nothing like, to me <laughs> very much like sounds like worse like it had a hole it didn't have yeah. a hole in it where water was pouring through yeah it was, every time there was a lit imagine so, so the first time we hadn't like fully stretched out the port ledge all the way or like the ledge, sorry, the fly. So the ledge was a bit high, so everything was a bit steep. All of the all of the connection points. So anytime there was a little ripple on the surface of the fly, water would kind of stop running down it, and it would just drip straight through. Like a few seconds mm. later. Oh, so yeah. it's just very, it it's like permeable. Yeah, if you got gave yeah. it any opportunity for water to sit or like pressed on it the tiniest bit, water would just soak through straight away. 
Um, and you're in like a tiny little portal ledge. So you're basically pressed against the fly all of the time. Um, and any, yeah. So like you're in your sleeping bag, which is pressed, pressed against the edge. So it's just soaking through straight onto your sleeping bag or you like lean your head back and touch it. And then it just soaks through on your head. Um, wow. So that, that first night I started off a bit wet and I just slowly got wetter and wetter throughout the whole night. Uh, and it, I was a bit scared at times, but because essentially the first night you were like pretty, pretty spooked. I think. Yeah. I was cold. And it was like, this isn't going to get any better. I'm not going to get any less wet than I am now. So right now I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm like, I'm not happy. I'm a bit miserable. I'm a bit cold, but like, I'm not, I'm not in any danger or whatever. But if we continue to get wetter and wetter or the rain picks up a load or the rate that some runoff from the top of the wall happens to like intersect with us and we get a waterfall coming onto this thing, like I'm not sure what the options are. Like, cause we can't really bail in the rain from 20 pitches up because it's going to be even worse than being in the in the portal edge so it's, it's so kind it's, of tricky like if one of us got like a hypothermic like really cold you, uh like do you bail? like well the first thing like you would leave all of the shit there um <laughs> but do you do you try and wait it out a little bit when they're like obviously really cold or do you go down in the rain um i'm still not really sure what the best option is so we were just there like well hopefully it doesn't get that bad probably not that bad like I, and it didn't get that bad but it definitely it definitely could be bad today that night was horrendous and we didn't sleep very much and mm-hmm. but the next morning fortunately we got a little bit of sunshine for a few hours and it let us kind of dry out the sleeping bags and, and dry out all our clothes and stuff and it, and it, then it rained again up, and then it rained again for another harder like for yeah, yeah. we'd ledge up a little bit or that would set the fly up a little bit better so we were a bit more like water resistant um but the rain was harder and consistent and for longer and that that night we we just had well we were sat making dinner was probably the saddest situation it started raining before we'd we like oh we might get a chance to like cook before before it starts to rain and we're like set the hob out outside and the moment we did that it started to rain so then we had to actually do our cooking sat in the portal edge um, where there's no space. So you're like sat up trying not to touch the edges too much because you'll get really wet, uh, but you can't really support yourself. So you're there in like a kind of like L-sit position trying to support this stove that you obviously can't let go of at any moment or it'll spill all your dinner out all over the place. It had a hand kit, but it didn't really work. Yeah, I bought a, a jet boil hand kit for like 50 quid that didn't work, so... Screw you, Jet Boil. Sweet. Um, <laughs> so we just had to hold it instead. Buy uh, cheap, buy twice. Just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's so depressing. Just there, like huddling next to our little. Was it like mac and cheese or something that we were doing? It, yeah, it was like like, like, like Alba Sasha. It was like the, the the easiest meal that we had with us because like that's all we could muster up but doing that, in the circumstance. That... That is actually an interesting question because you're doing so much, obviously not when you're sitting in the rain, but you're burning so many calories normally doing this ascent. How are you yeah. fueling yourself? Because you can't just have like powdered mac and cheese that you need, you need no. sustenance. No, no. We, well, I actually think we ate pretty well up there. So like at least from like speaking to other people in the valley, it seemed like some people were eating really badly. Um, but we were having like our sort of staple was like these cans of chili with then packets, packeted rice, um, which is like a pretty good meal. And then we had like 
tinned chicken from Costco that we were adding into quite a lot of meals. Everything meal. I love tinned chicken. Yeah, yeah most tinned <laughs> chicken. And like pack, like packets of curry or like noodles that we'd added chicken to. And then we had like instant oats for breakfast and loads of barry snacky things during the day. And a I couple days of sandwiches and stuff. Oh, yeah, like cliff bars can get the hell out of my life. But uh, I, I think we did eat pretty well for the most part and there weren't many scenarios where i was like felt like i was going hungry you're just trying to pack in as many calories as possible like i don't know mm. a lot lighter than when i first left although you're you not are, are you are you lighter i don't know i should go and wait i I, I, should, I, I feel lighter and i feel a bit more gaunt I, I've like yeah, but i i felt lighter and got back and i'm the heaviest i've ever been <laughs> no. <laughs> no sense i i like looked in the mirror i was like yeah i, I look really like lithe right now uh, and then got on the scales and was like three kilos heavier than when i left um wow well at least I'm, you did uh, eat well yeah, yeah. i think i think <laughs> i've just like transitioned the weight from my upper body to my lower body basically um because it's certainly what i feel when i go climbing at the minute it doesn't feel like i've got the strength from my upper body anymore <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah does that mean well actually no we'll get to the aftermath yeah. yeah. So, 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 so you've had 48 <laughs> days of misery. How much sleep did you actually get? Uh, I feel like you slept all right. I slept. The second night. So the second night, I would wake up every hour or so, and I'd be a bit cold and wet, and I'd go, eh, I'm, it's only going to get worse, so I might as well just go back to sleep. And I managed to get some more sleep. Yeah. So I think I slept like six hours on the second night. Yeah. The second so. night, I, I slept really badly. I think for... For whatever reason, like we set up the portal edge better, um, mm. and I think I think like the second night maybe you were getting a bit less wet. I was getting less wet to the first day, and then I was getting a bit more wet for whatever reason. Um, I think it was just more so, wet on the second day. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, I think, I think I was, there was yeah. more water around, I, but on the yeah. first night, my side the wind was blowing into it, and it was getting a load of those like ruffles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the water, yeah. It was just dripping all night on that. So the yeah, first night, I, yeah, the second night I slept really badly, and I was laid there for quite a lot of it, like kind of wavering, resolve, fully being like, oh, I don't really want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't like this. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that's understandable. But, uh, but like, we woke up and the sun came out, and then it's it's sort of all all right again. Um, after we'd spent like two thirds of a day with like everything clothes lined out, drying up, um, it, it is starting to sound like quite a large price to pay for like 10 pitches or however <laughs> yeah it felt like quite of a lot <laughs> no, it, it was 20 pitches i think yeah, okay. so given how i after i had a bit of a crap for first couple of days and my fingers were sore and i was like i felt tired i don't think that i could have gone and done the great roof the next day i was quite glad for the rest to be honest yeah being forced yeah. to have a rest day because of the rain was actually not such a bad thing everything else about the rain was not so it good, was horrible but, it was a horrible experience um, yeah but, and then we also after the rain we then did actually get blessed by some quite fortuitous weather like we had the rain came through then the sun came out like quite strongly for most of the day to give us the chance to dry all of our stuff out and then and as it came to to like late afternoon this cold front came back in um to the point that it basically started snowing um but it meant that suddenly we got good condition to go up and like actually do hard moves on great roof um so the second day yeah we got this cold front in all our stuff had just about dried out and then it's like okay we now need to switch into performance mode and go and have sunburns 
So the, what day were we on there on the wall? Was that day four? This is, this is day four, yes. So day four yeah, is so when we, you yeah. got to get up to the great roof? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Colfrit comes in, we like do a little little bit of a warm up on on a ledge and then I had first lead go. And so with changing corners, uh, great roof, sorry. Um, obviously there's there's no gearing when we get there. Um, so I went up on lead, placed, placed, placing gear and then had a tagline below me as well. Um, didn't do it that go, fell off in the roof um, and then climbed through to the end. Uh, and then, so this is, this is like, we kind of wanted to talk about like ethical things through it. Uh, this is one of our kind of like slight, like ethical impurities. Basically, once I'd done that and all the gear was in, we'd and it had been placed on lead, we then made the decision that we weren't going to strip the gear out every time. Um, just because with it with it being this like big traversing roof, like to actually strip it is like kind of logistically involved. You'd have to like second it and do all these lower outs and uh, takes quite a long time. Uh, so for basically practicality of actually being able to do the pitch uh we left the gear in used the tagline that i'd taken up to then put a fixed line in and then we're set up to have like pretty quick fire goes we can climb up um drop the rope down go down the line that we fix back to the bottom to belay and then we can just like trade send burns basically um and is there like just, old when you say ethical impurity would be like the i i guess like yeah gold standard would be to Take your gear uh, actually, every time. Yeah, it would be to yeah. place the gear on lead for every single pitch. Um, which we did for every single pitch except Great Roof, just because like it's logistically, just not, it's just so logistically do, yeah. not real it's not realistic. Um after not the first if two go. of us are trying to trying to send it. If you had one person trying to send and then another person in support mode, they would just jug the rope every time and strip the gear. Um that would yeah. be a lot simpler. It just with two of us doing it, like the time um wouldn't made it harder i also it normally there's a lot more fixed gear in the great roof mm-hmm. um, yeah if you watch like the video of your gone weather there's just gear like hanging out the roof the whole way along when we got there there's like basically two nuts at the edge the start of the roof which people use for like doing a doing a lower out on when they're a climbing and that was it so that we had to place the gear on lead through the roof anyway whereas at least from what we've seen like that's not always been the case and people have been able to just do it as like a clip up basically and it's not like we um, sewed it up we only put one piece in after those nuts so we had one yeah piece we did the, the yeah roof. we did the entire roof with with one one cam and it what is it like 30 feet or something across the roof or something like that um, yeah i actually i i ripped my my first bit of gear working great roof actually i placed two bits and then ripped the first one and took this like big pendulum all the way across um that's probably the best like lead fall that i've taken <laughs> wow um, that's exciting uh, dramatic <laughs> yeah not that anybody anybody saw it you're 20 pitches up but i had a good time <laughs> this whole like ethics and style question is something that we we had a lot of discussions with while we were there because it's actually in in bouldering and sport climbing it's pretty obvious the the range of what would what one would consider an ethical ascent is pretty small. Like the the rules are pretty set. Um in big walling, it's that that information is not readily available. And there is a yeah. big range of what people consider like a a, a, a like uh ethical or clean ascent. Like mm. 
all the way from the gold standard is to start from the ground with everything you need. And every time you fall off, you lower back to the B lane, you do it fully ground up. Um, the us like wrapping in from the top is like, is one step away from that. Um, leaving gear in on the great roof is, is another step away from that. Um, the fact that we, we put some water on camp six from the top. That's also like, like, we we felt that that was well within like our comfort mm. of ethical ethical boundaries. Um, yeah, there's always a discussion to be had over whether that, whether or not that's the case. The standards that we laid out for ourselves was like we we want to go bottom to top, doing all the pitches in order, and we both want to lead the two hardest pitches, and we don't want to be supported whilst we did it. So like everything we took everything with us and like nobody brought us extra supplies or anything like that. That was kind of like our, um, that's what we sort of laid our mark in the sand. as like, this is what we're considering like a, a good ascent. And that seems to be what you have to do, isn't it? You basically decide for yourself what a good ascent is. And then I think what everyone always says across climbing with anything like this, as long as everyone's honest about what they've done, it's all cool. Like it's, it's totally yeah. fine. Like You've, you know you say what you do you recognize that perhaps it's not 100 percent gold standard but that's what yeah, that was good yeah. enough and I, and I don't really think there are any ascents on on the nose which you would consider gold standard like that is like that's a sort of ethical progression still to be had um i guess seb seb did it ground up which is the closest but then he also was supported and had people bring in supplies so it like mm-hmm. it's like a to and fro isn't it so there's a lot of headroom for like ethical progress, like stylistic mm. progression. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like climbing on the gritstone, like the the hard stuff has been done. So now it's about like flashing it and on sighting it. And like that's the, or, or like doing it about side runners or no pads. And that's the progression to be had rather than just doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like doing some stuff on a top rope first. It's like some people, some people think that's not necessarily a perfect way of doing it, but no one would invalidate the ascent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So how long did it take you to get through the Great Roof? Uh, both second go, um, which was which was kind of, in terms of timeframes, was was pretty ideal. Uh, we didn't have much wiggle room there in terms of like getting ourselves up to changing corners with enough water. Um, so I was like pretty optimistic going into my second go. Like I felt good on the pitch. Like I made loads of mistakes the first time up and, um second go like i was really happy i climbed climbed well i like, didn't really make any mistakes and finished it with a little bit of margin um and then it's like bam pressure's on you alex time to go <laughs> it, that was the moment that felt the most like compy like mm-hmm. i did not feel very good i was not very confident i my first go my feet numbed out and like i didn't feel confident in the footholds even when i like recovered everything the, the move still felt hard and I, I was pumped. So I was, I kind of got down from that first go. Billy did it. And I was psyched, but it meant that it was all on me. And I probably only had one go left before it got dark. Yeah. And- Cause it, yeah, it was getting dark and like, it, it did look like it could start raining again as well. Like what, like, it was literally snowing when I was on the pitch. Um, oh, wow. It was cool. It was a really, that was a really like, like, beautiful moment being like halfway up on the side of El Cap having been up there for two days in the rain like kind of the only people around and Billy's like trying hard on the route with snow coming down it was pretty pretty it was like very pretty um but uh, 
so at that point i had to switch the gas on it's like if i didn't do it that go that would have been done for the day but then it's like okay i have to do it tomorrow otherwise this is kind of done like we had enough water for one more day at camp four mm-hmm. but after that we'd have had to carry on and we, we kind of had the discussion afterwards of like potentially we could go up billy could have had some goes on changing corners and then we could have wrapped down and i could have had one more go or like one yeah more there was there was a circumstance where we could carry on like me leading and then you yeah you come back down and we've got the supplies and it gets a bit weird but like it would still sort of work um Oh, wait, but like the really ideal scenario basically was for Alex to bang it out then so that we would it was sorted. <laughs> and I didn't feel confident, I didn't feel good. And it was one of those times where I was it felt a lot like a comp where I had to just switch it on. And it was like, okay, I've done this 50 times. Like I've just got a like focus, stay in the present, like focus on the moves and try hard. And like it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter whether I'm confident or not. I've just got to try my best and see what happens. Um and it and that's it exactly what you did. Like you, it wasn't you, pretty. You, you like fully. You, you it didn't happen. You made it happen. I would <laughs> say like you made a couple of mistakes coming into the roof, and then was like fully giving it the power screams in the start bit of the roof. And I was I was like not super confident for you whilst belay. I was like, it's looking pretty been shaky up there. Um, and then like the very last move, which is what I pumped out on when we were working it. So I like I sort of knew what it felt like to be up there, like on the edge. Um, and it looked very similar to me when you were coming up to the last move. I was like, oh God, don't, don't live in, don't ball it now. Um, but you just like screamed a little bit louder and got through it. Um, and that, yeah, that was one of the better moments for me. Uh, it was like, yeah, it was just really cool. Like knowing that we were, we were going through the pitch basically. Uh, it, it was, like to do that yeah. and like know that we're progressing as a team. It was like, yeah. that was, a, and yeah. also like getting through great roof was kind of like, ah shit's on now like that's the sort of first like big hurdle like it's all getting a bit more real like we are going to get to changing corners now um and like that's the that's the sort of crescendo um so because it was there was always the the chance that we went on the push and we kind of we decided to like share the stories we went kind of like on on instagram and stuff and that that we didn't really know well we were pretty sure that it wasn't going to happen to start with and then we weren't very confident that it was going to happen on the push so the worst case scenario is we get to great roof and we punt and we can't like we can't get past it and then that's just like the whole thing's sort of a bit null and void like it's sort of pointless so there is always that kind of pressure from the outside a little bit i mean we just we like made the choice to do it ourselves but i don't know that meant that we were actually like we were in it (laughs) we were gonna have a good go yeah yeah the the thing getting through that pitch shows that it, it's, it's no longer embarrassing whatever happens from there but if you don't do the great roof then you've not actually done any of the hard anything pitches. you've, you've, you've yeah. done like three 12 days and that's like <laughs> that's yeah if you, if you go up and fail at great roof we basically spent a month to do something incredibly unremarkable <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so much credit for the fact that you're willing to put that extra external pressure on yourselves as well because yeah it's especially with an audacious goal that's yeah. yeah we like that was kind of like we always went into it with that intention because we like it's like it's a success or failure like it's a it's a cool story to tell i think like a like a big one is always going to be like an adventure and something that's like it's easy to um like yeah put across to an audience basically so like we really wanted to do that um 
but it was a little bit of a, a new experience for me because people did get quite excited about it. And it was like, oh, like people actually actually do care. Um, I was like, yeah, like, oh, I don't want to like let everybody down. <laughs> yeah, um, like, it was quite, it was the, quite stressful in that regard for me. On the flip side, though, when we were sat in a port ledge for two days, getting rained on and feeling pretty miserable, occasionally you just get a message of somebody who was like, "Go on, keep going." Like I'm psyched. Like which was meant. It was so nice. That having, made just, no, no, a few people being honestly yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It, really, it was so good. Like really mm. nice to have that kind of support and yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> got us through some tricky times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I said to Bill before you left, if it had, if it was going to be a total catastrophe, the stories as to why it became a total catastrophe would be very <laughs> funny. At least yes. you're, you're guaranteed a great story either way. <laughs> but anyway, was- chronological. Yeah. <laughs> after after Great Roof, so it's getting dark. So we went we. Uh, went back down to camp four um, where we'd been for the last two days in the rain, had a blissfully dry night's sleep there. Um, and then we then like um, ascended through the great roof to get to sort of where we were. And then got four pitches from there up to uh, camp six, which is just below changing corners. So that was like our objective for day five was to get through those pitches, which are actually like, some, Amazing pitches, but quite tricky. Um, yeah, some of the trickier, trickier climbing in there, like a few 11 plus pitches and then glowering spot, which is 12D, which grade wise is like the third hardest pitch on the route. So not like a hard day because we weren't doing loads of climbing, but um, not an easy day. Like there was proper climbing in there for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, it went, went smoothly. Pardon? Yeah, it, 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 I ended that day pretty tired. Like not... Yeah it felt like the the fatigue of multiple days was like starting to stack up a little bit um but we we got there and then we're at camp six so camp six is right below it's the a a reasonably large ledge it's not massive um right below changing corners so we were there and it was time to kind of go to war this was once we do changing corners the top is we knew we could do the top like it's it's a couple of five tens and then uh a mid 12 that we'd, we'd try the moves on so we were pretty pretty happy we were going to the top so um, mm. just about doing the most technical climb I've ever tried in my whole life. <laughs> so, so then how was, how was the day of trying that? You had, you had a whole day on it. First well, up. so it, as, as I said earlier, basically changing corners comes into the sun at 10 30 in the morning. So oh. we got there like evening of day five and we know like we got to be up like at first light ready to go on it. So like you get up at, sort of 6 30 as the light comes up and then you've got your little sort of isolation zone of your six foot ledge to try and warm up on and then like a three hour window to go at go at the pitch so i i found it quite analogous to like being a comp like yeah yeah, you've got your you got your field of play up there and you've got your isolation zone and here's your time period to go at it um before monkey (laughs) wow like in terms of like I feel like the proposition of this, like committing to this goal was like felt so far detached from competitions. And yet you seem to recurringly make this uh, analogy. Yeah. Well, whether or not like the, like you need, like the skills of comp climbing are like exclusively useful to it or whether we're just like drawing um, comparisons. Um, but I, at least the skills that I've learned in comp climbing, I think were invaluable up there. 
Um, and I was very much drawing on those same things, like to focus myself in and I get in, get in the mindset to perform basically. And how did you decide who like qualified first? Who, who goes first? <laughs> so I went first on Great Roof. So Alex went first on Changing Corners, basically. Right. Um, We'd pre-decided yeah. that already before like yeah. we left the ground. So, yeah, like, yeah. We, I think because like I felt I felt better on Great Roof. You felt better on Changing Corners. It like kind of made sense. Um, but there was quite a lot of tension like on the ledge in the morning. It's like yes, it for felt sure. it. Yeah, it felt serious. Like. But we it's normally like, it's the like, big moment like we've spent so much time building up to having a proper sunburn on that on that pitch like we've just been through five days of like relative suffering to get there um and like now it's like it's all coming to a head like so i was stressed i was, stressed. <laughs> I was really stressed <laughs> um so i i had the first go in the morning and like i i think i fell off the very first move that you could possibly fall off just my foot like yeah i think my first go was all right i like yeah, fell off in the plate i fell off in the place that i kind of like was expecting to fall off was I it think. the turnout onto the arrest the tur- the, like this turnout move that i've been finding quite difficult like my foot would always always pick off when i was like transitioning uh from in the groove back out onto the rep so fell off there kind of an expected place like um not really like a positive or a negative for me from that first go it's kind of like oh yeah that was first go um and then back to you yeah so second go i like i'd warm my shoes up a bit more so it was like normally i feel like you want to keep your feet your, your shoes quite cold for standing on like the little crystals and stuff but my feet it, they were just sucking all the feet out of my the heat out of my feet um, and they'd gone totally numb on the first go. So I wore my shoes up a bit and I just, I, I climbed it and got into a nice flow state. Like the, uh, the really nice, like mental state where everything's just kind of happening and you're kind of watching it from, from below. And I, I definitely had to fight and I was grunting. Um, and by the end of the, the crux, my knee, knee bar padded, like fall off yeah. my knee and was like sat around my ankle. So I had to put the last knee bar in at the top without a knee bar pad and like also trying to not drop the knee bar pad off my foot. Cause if I'd have dropped it, that Billy was just totally ruined. Like wouldn't have been able to do it about the knee bar pad. So I'm trying to make sure it doesn't fall off and, and got through it. So I can go. So yeah. I still, on, Bill. Really know, you go. I still don't really know how the knee pad fell off your knee. Like, it, was, it was fine. It was all the way down. Um, I like pulled yeah, it I, up halfway through the, that was the yeah, one. I know like, you did. Like it was, it was absurd. Absurd. I just had to like, um, yeah after yeah. the first bar, it was on a crimp and like chalked yeah. up pulled it up and yeah yeah but a bit but other than the knee pad basically alex made it look really good um i thought you looked like really smooth on it um and i like kind i was sort of anticipating this like as i said earlier like, alex looked better on on changing corners like by the final sessions working it he'd linked the whole crux um so i was kind of ex- not necessarily expecting you to just bang it out quite quickly, but I was like, there's a pretty good chance Alex does it quite quickly. Um, obviously, I was like, I was really psyched for you, but then it's this other sort of second aspect of it where I'm like, oh God, that's all on me. <laughs> it totally hinges on like whether this is like a, a success or a failure. Um, and it's like, it's not just that I want to do it. It's also like, 
Alex can't like fully enjoy his success if only he does it. Um, so like I want Alex to like like fully enjoy this as well and like us to sort of yeah just have the shared experience at the top and like it be successful. So I was, yeah, it like wasn't. I was sort of feeling external pressures as well as internal pressures at that point. Um, had three more goes that day. Um, got a high point and it was like the best that I'd felt on the pitch, um, which was encouraging, but I didn't do it that day. Um, the sun came round um, and it's, it's, it's done basically once the sun comes in, like the feet get way too slippery, feet start sliding, hand sliding. Um, so I just had to like, yeah, you, that's 10.30. So you've got the whole day ahead of you to just like sit around contemplating Dude. the situation that you're in. Just like, Oh, I've not done it. I've not done it. Looking up at it, it's just looming above you. Being like, oh yeah, still not done it. Um, and there's no, there's no help in like practicing it when it's or like trying to rehearse it when it's in the sun. No, I don't think at that point, like it was pretty. Like I, the sequence, I was, I was happy with my sequence. I, I'd been I guess you've had of, eight sessions as well. Yeah, it like, had been a couple of sessions before since I'd actually like made any like actual changes. Um, so it was just like, I need to go up there and, and execute. And I was there like trying to like make peace with the possibility that I didn't do it basically. Um, but equally we got, uh, we had two more days of supply. So I had time for goes the next day. And if we needed to another day after that, and if you really, really needed to like, <laughs> like if you really, really needed to like start rationing the shit and like push a flight back or something like i wasn't really like don't want to think about trying that. not to not to consider those options um so yeah just like sat around for a day stewing on it um psychologically i think that's early. in some ways the most interesting period of the whole thing because you've got a full day not having done it waiting to desperately want to do it the following day and also alex you've got a full day of being like it's basically out of your hands now. You're basically powerless. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, yeah, yeah. So I'll be honest, I had quite a good day. It was. It was <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can yeah, do. All I yeah. can kind of do is keep the energy up, try and kind of keep yeah. the conversation away from whether or not Billy's going to do changing corners and like just yeah. try and support as best I can. There's only so much I can do. So it's sort of a yeah. Yeah, no, you you were really good. Like you did exactly that. Like just kept me kept me cheerful. Tried to like distract me as and when it was sort of appropriate so i didn't just spend the whole time stewing on it every time he'd um, look down at his skin and like look at how sweaty <laughs> i just like i try and find something to pull him away and like <laughs> no 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 yeah <laughs> no, no. we were also we were also talking about this so when the last working session that i'd gone up i'd been uh i'd ended up like slightly off to the side to like unclip a bolt but basically i realized that there was this um like a series of ledges a little bit off to the left uh, and i ended up next to it and then looking across uh and then there's on you're on like the left side of the array and then on the you're at the same level as this like victory jug after the hard climbing on on changing corners i was looking across it and being like there might be like the vague possibility of doing like a paddle dyno from here across the across the <laughs> over to the jug so i'd got this like backup plan in my head of like if if i just don't do changing corners i can go up like in the sun and just like 
huck myself at this stupid concept paddle dino that I'd seen. <laughs> Just full desperation, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was would have been like, sick. That's, that's almost even better if that happens. <laughs> that, that would have been, again, the analogy to your comp career would have been really strong then if you found a pizza break <laughs> and qualified. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was like total last resort. Um yeah, I went to bed and then the same same exact scenario the next day, basically get up first thing. Um, kind of nice the second day in that because it's just me, like I'm just going at the pace that I want and I, Alex is being considerate of me and I don't need to be considerate of Alex. Um, so went up, had the first go, uh, had quite a good fight, but basically came off like really, like tried totally to my limit and was really, really sweaty and was kind of demoralized by the go because it just felt like I'd kind of given everything. I didn't really make any mistakes. I'd given everything I could to it, and I'd just been too sweaty, and I'd slid off, and I couldn't get in the pin scars anymore. That um, was the moment that I was, like, the most concerned. When he came down, I was, I, like, looking at his hand. Like, that was probably the most, like, despondent I've seen you the whole time. It was, like, yeah, you were looking at... I, yeah, because I was just looking at my like, skin I being, like, I, 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 I can't do it like this. Um, and it's, like, the, the I have sweaty skin anyway. But this is the worst I've ever had it to the point that I was putting chalk onto my skin and it was just immediately turning into a paste. Oh, no. Like, it was horrendous. And I think they, because we're like sleeping in sleeping bags and there's like no no airflow, um, I think you're just like, and you'd like, we've been up there for six days and you're like stewing in your own filth. Um, <laughs> I think my hands were just like clammy and like just, I, I don't know man i've never experienced it before but it was the the sweatiest most unpleasant my skin has ever been um and i didn't really know didn't really know what to do about it um the first thing in the morning it's cold but there's also no wind uh the wind comes up in the afternoon when it's sunny um so like you kind of get one or the other but i think it being cold is still better um so, so basically as a joke i just went tops off the power in the hope that that might make a bit of a difference um and then get up to this no hands rest and just like like sat there just like wafting for like 10 or 15 minutes or something like that i like, think a makita could have been quite helpful yeah, yeah like we jo- we'd been joking about taking a makita fan up and getting some like meme picture of like haha boulderers take makita fan up <laughs> up a big wall um, but I was really wishing for a Makita fan whilst I was there, to be honest. I mean, you could even have like a one of the small little handheld fans. Yeah, one yeah, of the little like, ones, yeah. Genuinely, that would have been a worthwhile use of some weight, I think. Um, but yeah, it just did like a ridiculous amount of wafting until I like actually got my skin cool. And that did make a, a big impact. I got on for my second go. I fell off lower than my previous go, but... It actually felt on again. Like I think my foot slipped, but I was like, oh, I actually have some. I feel like the contact in my skin, like I'm getting a bit of friction again. Like I feel like I can climb it like this. Um but then so at like this, at this point we had a, a an aid party come up and join us on camp six. Yeah. Uh, so they'd like they'd climbed for from camp five this morning. So like that morning, so we're moving quite quickly. And I kind of had the discussion. I was like, oh, you're right. If he has another go and like cracks on, there's probably enough time for two goes before the sun comes on. Yeah, I think so. But they look pretty raring to go. So as soon he was as like they... racked up, like basically getting, 
okay. like ready to pull on every time oh, he was that's there. exactly what you need more pressure Perfect. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so yeah, i'd have asked like, if, yeah if you'd have fallen off the next go i'd have asked a question and been like hey do you mind if he has one more go like i'm sorry but like you can climb this <laughs> you can climb this in the sun he really can't um but it really you've got one go before it becomes yeah, like i was i i yeah i was like the I didn't want to be rude to these guys and like have falling off and like telling them me like, no, you're going to wait another like 40 yeah. minutes before you can get on. And <laughs> While you like angrily rest on yeah, a... That's <laughs> going to mean that right you're going to top out in the dark because you have to wait for me. Like that is not a conversation we wanted to have. Um, so I, I was going up for the third go with like this extra bit of pressure. Of, like, I really would like to do it now. I also like didn't really want to go to the third third day because if we if we got up that day it meant that we could get down and actually like sort out all of our stuff before i flew home if we went to the next day it was going to be like a total mad scramble to sort all of our stuff out um so like the ideal scenario was for me to do it then and like get us the hell out of there uh so yeah it was like the same as alex on on great roof i was sat in the rest doing my hand wafting again just being like this is it's, it's time to flip in, make it happen. Show up um, right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, flip the switch and climb up that seven meters. Um, and yeah, it, it happened. It felt like actually felt pretty perfect when it went together. Like, um, didn't end up totally on the edge as I had been in the past through the final moves. Like, everything went went pretty quickly. Like, there's no there's no position through that whole section where I can, like, stop for a breather a chalk or anything like you get on and you just gas it the whole way through until the holds get better um so you don't really get much much time to process you just like executing um you get a little moment at the end where the intensity drops a little bit it's still really insecure but it's physically a bit less um a bit less on you where there's like enough bandwidth to basically be like don't fuck it up don't fuck it up (laughs) yeah that's almost that's almost Uh, more stressful though i feel like if you like if you have the opportunity to come out of that space where it's like you have to be so on it and you have to be so focused like it can yeah. be honestly the the worst feelings like yeah. you can call yeah. it like yeah turn you, you into just a terrible have a, climber you, you just have a few <laughs> moves where you have to do that uh, and then yeah you just get this like glorious victory jug where you can just like let the pressure roll away like <sighs> i just let out this thing guttural scream alex let out like a comparable guttural scream like, he was <laughs> so fucking psyched down there we um, were like we were stood on the ledge and the, those two other guys were there I, they were def- they were super psyched but i'm like yeah. kind of whispering i'm like he, he fell off this move last time he's got like two more moves to go he can do it is it yeah you get this victory jug but you're not actually done there's another like 10 meters of five nine sort of thin hand slash layback to do which is like quite insecure yeah like it's it's not it's not hard but it's difficult to get feet that are like confidence inspiring on it um so i climbed that like shit man i was so (laughs) nervous the whole way up like like chalking up three times at each move like we had two cameramen's up camera cameramen's camera camera men um up there and i was just talking to him be like i'm climbing this so badly i'm so nervous oh i really don't want to mess this up i really don't want to mess this up and it like 
the angle of the crack like levels off a little bit at the end and i just ended up basically just bidding off my feet because i they felt really insecure and i was just like pretty much just campusing sideways up this crack because it felt more secure um yeah like the worst i've ever climbed what comes out to like hvs or whatever um but i didn't fuck it up uh yeah click the chains uh scream back down to alex (laughs) like genuinely one of the best moments that i've had had in in climbing um uh i've kind of spoken to alex a little bit about about this like I didn't think after finishing competing that I'd be able to get the same sort of intensity of emotion from rock climbing that I'd had from like some of the best moments in comps where there's just so many factors coming in and like boiling down on you for a singular moment. Um, I didn't really think I'd ever get that from, because I'd never had it from anything else that I've done on rock. Um, but this was like, it was the same feeling. Like so many things had built up towards that moment. Uh, and then we just had this like shared victory together, which had felt so unlikely. Um, it was, it was really special. Hmm. I I actually recall when in the very early days of the podcast, you were actually one of the first people, the first person we spoke to. Um, and we got some of a reputation after that of being quite down on comps. And I think it's, fair to say we've had a negative perspective but like i remember you making that painting that picture of comp climbing and like kind of the the intensity of that experience and how like almost how that intensifies like the emotional response to it as well um and you can definitely having more of an emphasis of that in competitions as opposed to climbing outside i for me like hard sport and bouldering you can always come back the next day and when you do it it normally feels like maybe you could have done it a couple of days earlier or whatever. And like, it's, it's incredibly satisfying, but it's not like I had to do this now. And I, I did it like big walling is the only way that I found that kind of pressure. And, and it, it's built up over such a long period of time as well. Like comps, you train for them for months and months and months. And then you go and you get your opportunity to like show what you've, what you've got. Like big walling is exactly the same way. Exactly. I, basically you've recreated a comp. You've got the huge amount of preparation that's gone into it. It, it wound up where you didn't have, you've got time pressure. You've got, Alex has already done it. So you've got to do it to match him. And you've got an audience and people like angrily waiting, like <laughs> watching and loads out. of people wanting to hear the answer. Like you basically recreated a comp. Yeah. Un- unwittingly, we, we, we made, a, made a competition scenario for ourselves. But it's the best, but so the, the, my biggest frustration with comps is it felt like it changed every time you were training for an unknown that you didn't know what you were coming out to. So I, one weekend I could come out to a set of boulders and, and do really well. And then the next weekend I could just do utter shit because the, the boulders were totally different and it was stuff that I'd not seen. Like at least with this, we went in with a task in mind and the task stayed the same. It was quite pleasant. We could just make slow progression through a task that we knew and we were going to get better on it. It wouldn't holds wouldn't change the next day or, or whatever. Yeah. And it was be a, a high time. pressure scenario, but the goalposts stayed in the same place. So we've like, we found the best bits of competition and hey. binned, binned off the shit bit. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you got to win together. Like when do you, yes. yeah. no competition. We, both, we are both still on the top step. How good is that? Yeah. Tom Sarah is zero sum game. If, if you win, if Billy wins, I'm psyched for him, but it, I don't win, right? Yeah. Like, that's fine. It's, it's part of the, the game and like it being like 
you can still be happy for somebody else's success, but there's always that like little bit in the background. But this time the success was amplified and multiplied by the fact that we both got to go like walk over that summit together. Like blooming mint feeling. Really. Mm. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're happy for your friend in a comp environment, but you don't spend the multiple, multiple hours training through the winter to be happy for your friend. You're doing it to win. So it is so it's yeah, it's it's just perfect. It's what a fantastic end. It couldn't be it couldn't be a better script, really. Well, we still had to top out, so we had five pitches left to go. So it's, we sort of <laughs> had this like massive moment of elation. Then it's like, oh shit, we got more climbing to do. Like I've got a lot of hauling. I just want yeah. to be at the top. Like, we, we had a weird lull for a few pitches there. We we're like, oh, it's like it's, what? loads of work still to do. And like, <laughs> probably I, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this on the podcast, but I, I actually had a bit of a scary moment like just after that. Um, so it's oh, so we okay. back down and we had breakfast and. And at that point, we're like, oh, we've got quite a lot left to do. And like, I wanted to take a couple of videos, video shots on changing corners. Um, and we were kind of rushing to get packed up and like, we got packed up and we we were in a rush and I, I left the belay and I would like, did the first like five or six moves of, of the pitch. Um, and it's not very hard. It's like five, eight or whatever. Um, and we'd done it so many times that it was sort of ingrained, but I got like three or four moves in and I looked down and my knot was totally unfinished. Um, oh wow and i just i'd like during my time on the ledge i'd like got halfway through tying it and then like had got distracted by packing something else away or putting some gear on or whatever and i looked down and i was like shit like yeah i'm not tied in at all and like i'm i'm, I'm climbing right now two and a half thousand feet up without a knot and like it just that we made mistakes on the wall and like we were in it like we were inexperienced and there was but we worked through stuff slowly and we like were always safe when we're doing it being in multiple points and like being as safe as like big walling can be. And it was so fitting that like the one like truly dangerous mistake that we'd made on the wall was like in a moment of complacency rather than a moment of inexperience. And it just showed, to me, it just showed how easy it was to, to make a mistake like that. It it put a little bit of a damper on the rest of that day for me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, But like at that point it was like, right, come on, we're being like, I know that we've done this, but this is, we are still in a genuinely really serious situation right now. And it's so easy to make a mistake that, that can cause a problem. And it, it, obviously it turned out to be fine. I did a couple more moves to no one's rest and like got tied in and stuff, but like, I don't know. I, it feels like kind of it, looking back on it and like talking about it now, it feels like a really stupid situation to be in. Um, and like, I don't know. I, it just shows how easy it is. And I, I think it's, yeah, a, it's amazing how like, those stories come about and it's not correlated at all to people's experience. I mean, like it's in this, the beginning of Lynn Hill, the book she wrote, Lynn Hill, and um, she obviously was the first person to free climb the nose, but then wrote about that just sport climbing. And she took a horrendous fall um, for like an untied knot. Well, I mean, that was sport climbing, but like it's not through lack, lack of experience. Like, like mm. that complacency it's yeah. like i looked down at the knot three times while i was stood on the ledge and i was like oh, i gotta finish that and i just got got to the end and, and started climbing and like we, like we missed the checks we i missed checking it myself like and and like missed i don't i don't think i'd have like lent back on it like it's it was pretty obvious that it was untied when i looked up but like looked down at it but the fact that i'd got in that situation is crazy but it's like it's time and time again like jerry um wrapping off the end of his rope like the mm there's there's thousands and thousands of of near misses and stories that don't get told 
of of little mistakes that could have caused a really big issue and it's like but i do i do think you make a good point in that that is probably far less likely to happen when you're preparing for your attempt on changing corners or like like when you're I feel it's not coincidence that it's the point where you're like, I, yeah. oh, we're, we're done, but... Because you basically just released all of the pressure in your brain. So your brain... It's the same with like mountaineering, isn't it? Way more of the accidents are on the descent. And I think a lot of it is like, you're so tired, but your brain thinks, oh, I've done it. You know, I've achieved. And then it just just turns off. And it only has to turn off once. And that could have been absolutely catastrophic. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, like, that yeah. Brain there's no question whatsoever so it's like i don't know it's just a a warning to not get complacent in those situations yeah so i guess the lesson there is never half do you not yeah well, <laughs> check, always, check your knock check your knock kids yeah. <laughs> always yeah. finish your knot yeah yeah, yeah. But it's like, you don't really untie so when you when you go sport climbing you tie in every time and so you check it every time you tie in when you're on the wall you like don't really untie from the knot very much it was just because we were packing down camp and i'd like i'd switched ends of the rope um like i my li- I, i'd gone onto billy's leash or whatever um and i was still clipped when i was in the ledge i was clipped into the, the anchor and stuff and it was just traded it out and didn't didn't finish it and yeah we we hadn't had a really good like checks or well, that wasn't part of our checks because we very rarely untied from the ropes when we were climbing so um, mm. it's just like but yeah. they, I, and, I mean, and as you said, like we were being complacent and we were, I think the biggest factor was that we were rushing. We were like, we want to get up. We want to get up and try and get down before it's dark. Like let's get this packed away now and let's just get these pitches out of the way. Like, um, yeah. And, and, and presumably you then did. And did you then get to enjoy like a really nice moment at the, the tree at the top? The top was, yeah. the, the day got yeah. progressively more glorious as we went on. Like yeah, the sun was we had that moment and then we had a couple of easier pitches where like they were like they sort of go into this groove and they're in the shade and it's quite cold and we were like not really having very much fun. Um, but then the you come back out of that, you're back into the sun and then you've got the very last pitch, which is this uh, 12 plus, uh, which as, as an A climb, it's a bolt ladder. Like literally they've just gone like <laughs> a bunch of bolts through all these like overhanging bulges, which kind of cap off the top of El Cap. Whereas as the free climb, it like meanders around through all these bulges, taking this like these diagonal lines. Um, it's really cool climbing and like totally different to what you've done, like the 30 pitches to get up there. Like you come out of the crack systems and you're just like face climbing and like standing up on smears. At one point you end up, you're like, you're stood in a smear and you're just pressing two hands into a roof and like leaning yourself out until you can go like way behind your head to reach up to this flake. Like, it's really cool, weird climbing. You do this like awkward, like, crimpy mantle in like a ridiculously exposed position when you're turning yeah, this you're ball. 3,000 feet up. 3,000 feet of exposure below you. And you're like, it's, it's really cool climbing. Um, and yeah, that I actually, once I'd done this like hard move and then it's like a little bit easier, like that was an absolute joy for me doing those final few moves and then actually walking over the top. Um, and then yeah, uh, Alex came through, and then we I had like like really nice moment when you get to the tree and you're actually on the summit. Mm. Wow. That's yeah, 
Except yeah. actually you kind of knock because you still have to haul your bag up and then pack all your shit <laughs> yeah. and walk all the way down. You went up to touch the chair and like, oh, no, we got to go back down again. And you kind of drag it up a slope like this for the last bit. So I'm like, like hoofing it up. It was very fitting. Have the moment of success and then like to have to go back and do a load of manual labour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it busy up there as well? Uh, not normally there was another the, the party who was honest with the led on the ledge with us when we were at cap six had just topped out so we like celebrated with them like they'd just sent the nose that was their like combination of, of their like summer of being in yosemite so we were wow. we were all really excited. it was cool mm. wow it's pretty special and uh getting back to camp oh it's uh, rubbish is it? <laughs> it's, it is miserable yeah well, it's, it's reversing the walk up that we did in six hours, but yeah. of course we had to bring all of that gear that we'd brought up back down. And I think, as well as reasonably heavy loads, yeah. I had this like I had this like romanticized yeah. idea that like kind of like the <laughs> euphoria diffuses throughout your walk back and the sunset, and but no, it's just manual labor. Well, it did, and then it got dark, <laughs> and then I started. It did for it. My legs were tired and started tripping over. I fell off the path at one point and just kind of like. Yeah, you were like not far off, like fully twisting or breaking your ankle or something. Like, oh, that would have been another downer on the trip. <laughs> Got away with it, but yeah. it ain't over till you get down to the bottom. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that was we, kind of like the true, true celebration, I guess. When we no, the true, to the, the true celebration was when we made it to the pizza shop. So for the yeah. about days, we'd been like. So every time we got off the wall, there's this like pizza shop in Yosemite. So every time we'd come down after a big day or like come down from off the top, it was like tradition that we'd go and get a pizza. So we would get a large half dome every time. And it was fantastic. Great pizza. Full a half dome. We'd been back. an El Cap. The El Cap was just a worse <laughs> pizza. But <laughs> We got an El Cap when we got down off of the nose and it was just a bit worse. I still enjoyed it. <laughs> we, like, we don't really want it. Got it. <laughs> Go back and get a half dome afterwards. <laughs> well, so we decided to get both. We just got a large half dome and a large El Cap, which was an astronomical amount of food but after being up there for uh six days in the end it felt pretty uh pretty <laughs> necessary yeah. like, like i was like i've not been like totally full like i can't eat another mouthful the entire time we've been there so i was like my only objective for eating this pizza is to get to the point where i feel like ill from fullness and that's exactly what i got to it was, it was fantastic <laughs> you basically what? need to make this this enjoyable thing arduous because that's now the <laughs> yeah. it was just all the way off of the peak of enjoyment into suffering which was, it's the yeah, only way like you know how to enjoy things I, I, staring at my last slice of pizza be like this is my dawn wall yeah. <laughs> i haven't put myself through enough yet <laughs> here we go so a few questions kind of to wrap up um one of the things that our, our patrons most wanted to know was, in your guys' opinion, why is it that the most famous climb in the world in the most famous climbing area in the world has seen so few free ascents? I, so it's a pain. Like the hardest pitch is right at the top, so you've got to go there. But actually, in the grand scheme of hard big walling, that's fairly accessible. I think what it probably comes down to is that changing corners seems so unreasonable when you first get on it you've got a fully commit. I think if you just go there for a day and if we were to just have gone up to changing corners and tried it for a day, we'd have probably walked away and be like, no, that's never going to happen. But because we'd fully committed and we're like, we're going to do this hell or high water. We like 
we, we were put the time in prepared to fail basically um yeah. but yeah like changing corners is really hard like i was i didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is um like it, it gets given 80 plus as a single pitch like that number is pretty meaningless to me when comparing it to other things i've been on at that grade like um n- this sounds like ego uh but i've i've never taken me more than two sessions to do 80 plus um on like european limestone changing corners was nine sessions like it it was not the same undertaking um so like it, physically maybe it is 80 plus i'd if you're better at u70 style climbing maybe it is 80 plus but um i just think that pitch is really hard to do um and as alex said like initially it feels like a level harder than that again because it's so intricate um so yeah i think most people just ab in try it and like that's really hard um but then and it, that's kind of the end of it well we got really lucky in the grand scheme of things we were really lucky with conditions so for the whole of the spring i think the great roof seeps um the uh changing corners all of the pods in the back get wet anytime it rains so like we got there yes it was a bit hot while we were working it but we managed to get a reasonable stint of of dry and and workable conditions um and yeah i would feel like it's also just it's got such a reputation that to get on it is kind of i i I expect that we probably will have broken the spell a little bit of like having got on it with no experience of the style and like managing to do it i i would expect to see a lot more people try it over the next couple of years i hope i hope so um Mm. i also think it's like there's there's not an abundance of people who are psyched on going big walling that like m- the majority of the people that we met were like, they were big wallers and that was kind of what they did. And they didn't have any trike trade. Like they didn't really train. Like it wasn't like, no, it, it's, they it's, definitely do, but it's like, it's a different, it's a it's different a- culture. It's a totally different culture being a big waller versus like where we come from. And I think, you probably need a little bit of both um, to make it happen. Well, either you've got to be a big waller who's like to, who is like very prepared to put in the work already and then goes away and gets stronger, or you've got to come from the other direction of being a really strong rock climber, um, bowler or sport. And then, but then you've got to be very willing to put in a significant amount of labor. We, we, kept, we would joke every, every time we had a big walk to do that, we decided to go on holiday to a work camp. Um, where we were going to go and do like manual labor and rope access work for for six weeks and like actually there's not very much climbing in there um and yeah are you gonna the pay first for time the we were walking up i was like i don't think we can do this like i cannot make <laughs> help like and i can't keep going to the top of this hill for the next month for enough time for us to to figure out this pitch um fortunately billy's got slightly steadier legs than me so we were all right <laughs> he's paying for that now as he's put like three kilograms more muscle into it. <laughs> uh, i guess wow. also um it's kind of feels slightly similar to me as what uh the guys did with the wide boys in that they set like this audacious goal it was in america they had kind of no business doing it they trained and they went and did it are we gonna see what everyone wants which is an alex and billy big walling team is this is this is what's next guys you must have some more big wall ideas oh God. <laughs> I, i'm already forgetting about the miserable bits i think i might be keen again go on 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's funny though. Because, because it's so much work, kind of the, the, the prize needs to be worth it, if that makes sense. Mm. So to go and do like a, you have to be incredibly psyched to go and do what you're going to try. Like you, yeah. It has to be, it has to be something that you, you're so inspired by that you're willing to put in that gigantic amount of time and effort to, to get it done. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was kind of interesting actually after after that like um angus kill and hazel finlay were on el nino um uh another free route further to the right and angus did it and hazel didn't and she was like talking on her instagram basically about not really like like really having the fire to do it and it's like it wasn't sort of like the experience that she was wanting to have up there um and i that made a lot of sense to me because i could definitely imagine getting into that scenario I've just been like this is been miserable yeah um, you've got to like, really want it yeah so it'd have to be the right thing we'll, we'll we'll have to figure out what we're gonna get on um i i spoke to a yosemite well elliot actually and he said one of the there are other routes on el cap that like don't have a, a pitch on it as hard as changing corners but are much more consistent in difficulty which is like a completely different type of challenge mm-hmm. so like yeah. more I think like, like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah yeah i think yeah. that'd be cool yeah there's stuff like el corazon golden gate el nino all that stuff which have they don't have any 514 pitches but they've got quite a lot of stuff in the 513 range so that's like 70 plus to i think like 8a plus for the most part um but they might get like three or four pitches of that grade back to back sort of thing so it's like mm. yeah m- easier but more sustained um i also think that that style is sorry go on no there you go i i think that that style is a lot of fun when it's not totally living end so changing corners if that was just a couple of grades easier it would be incredibly enjoyable but actually mm. like when it's that hard it, it comes down to like foot slips and annoying like Climbing that grade a bit below your level, I think, is super engaging. It's really like interesting movement. So, mm. a lot of fun. Mm. I it, it's the 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 last thing that the the patrons all wanted me to ask about, uh, and I've deliberately left it to last in the hope that most people who are going to turn off will have turned off. So I'm I'm minimizing the amount of people that are going <laughs> to listen to the ignominy of me having to ask this question. But how was pooping on the on the dorm wall? <laughs> no, this the is days. great. I like, fucked it up. <laughs> so many, everybody, everybody wants to know about taking a shit, man. Like I, was, I know, I, got, I really drew him. I got, I got home and like Nathan walked through the door and was like, "So how's shitting?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great just, imitation. Such a solid Nathan impression yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to set up a system? I didn't think it's it was quite, that bad. It's yeah. right. you, so you, your routine is so regular that it comes at the same time of day after your coffee, and squatting like that just sets you up in a nice way. Oh, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant to be so much better for you, isn't it? It is a nice position, yeah. Really nice. And we just like pretend to be like pretend to be doing something whilst the other person was doing the business. Gives like, them some privacy, like yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, the the yeah. bit that I was the worst for me was just like you could smell when the other person was pooping and like smelling someone else's poop is not great. Um, and the poop bucket started to get a bit unpleasant towards the end when you opened it up. And it was like quite <laughs> heavy as well. It was, no, it was, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, another uh, yeah. another another hard deadline. The yeah. top of your <laughs> top of your shack bucket. <laughs> so, I didn't want to have to press it down. That would have been not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you start rationing for uh, different reasons. <laughs> if anybody's interested in the details, feel free to cut this out. So um, basically, we'd we'd you'd poop into a ziploc bag. Um, wipe put that in and then put it in another ziploc bag so it's like pretty firmly double bagged and then we had the paint bucket which was like airtight so it would then go in there and then for the vast majority of the time like i couldn't smell anything from the poop bucket um i smell it oh, yeah. a bit like on the walk down for sure but um yeah it's not that bad the work the far worse bit is the smell of piss like the whole way up the climb especially oh. on the nose because it's so busy and like people don't pack out their piss they just piss on the ledges oh um, no it's so, like, like the unknown it, truth it's yeah, like venice so it, any any ledge everywhere. where people spend any amount of time stinks like pretty badly and then the even worse bit is like when you then pee it like rehydrates like the previous pee that's like dried out there and you get this like much stronger scent of urine the double hit yeah yeah it's not so that's you, that's the greatest rock climb in the world so the greatest rock climb in the world smells like the staircase in a multi-story car park exactly yes yes, yes it does Worse even and whilst we're on this um Alex dropped his phone down one of these piss cracks and had to crawl into it to get it out. Oh, oh. I didn't have to crawl into it. It had like fallen in the middle of the night and it was in this big crack in Camp 6. But it's got like a, a, an angled bottom to it and it's like too small to get inside of. So I'd like dropped it. And it is an absolute wonder my phone didn't just tumble down that and, and off, the, off the rock. But I woke up the next morning, Billy was working, changing corners, and I totally disassembled the port ledge to like take the two long sticks out of the side of it, duct tape the saucepan to the front of it. So I had like a big spoon, like a scooping spoon, but I couldn't quite get to my phone. So I had to like climb into the crack, the like really pissy, smelly crack on day one of a four day um, descent of the nose to like scoop my phone out. And uh, basically I spent like 15 minutes in it trying to finagle the phone into the front. I was very close to having to call Billy down to go and disassemble the other pole on the port ledge to kind of like push it into the the saucepan. That was my biggest end of the trip. Wow. He was comparatively excited when he very technical chopsticks endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, the rest of uh, the more uh, traditional use of uh, the piss cracks sound uh, small fish in comparison. (laughs) (laughs) to be clear if you've got the opportunity you should pee off the ledge and away from the climb like as as far away from it as you can but the combination of like the updraft so every day the wind kicks up in the afternoon and just blows straight up the wall like it kind of ends up going everywhere yeah yeah okay yeah 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 (laughs) So. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. Well, it's like... I, will, I will go into no more details than that. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, it's unfortunate, but like, what are you going to do if like people are going to climb? Price of yeah. admission. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. It's a bit of Instagram versus reality, isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the the last thing to say really is just a massive congratulations. I really do think... It's one of the coolest achievements 
uh, a pair of British climbers had done, certainly ones that I've known anyway. Uh, I think a lot of us were very invested in you. Um, and so it was it was brilliant to follow along. And um, thanks so much for coming and giving us the story. I loved Thank it. you, guys. As we said uh, before, like the support we had whilst we were out there was like really cool and a, a big part of what was spurring us on whilst we were up there. So thank you everybody that like said a word of support and was just like excited about it. Like it made it really special. Um, yeah. And thank you for having us on the podcast. Like it's, it's always a pleasure. Oh, no, really. you'll, be, you'll be back before long. I'm sure be. By <laughs> <laughs> far the most, uh, most storied yet. <laughs> <laughs> no especially uh yeah i look forward to hearing what um what uh new genres of climbing you can tap into yeah what's next is there anything else yeah yeah, yeah i was just trying to think yeah, yeah alpinism, a bit of mountaineering. alpinism antarctica next yeah oh yeah 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 it's endless isn't it you can you can put yourself through more more hell yeah. i think this is big walling is as far as i feel i need to go along that spectrum for a little while yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. everyone says though yeah, yeah. You, see, you, you said just moments ago that you'd forgotten the suffering no no i haven't forgotten it it's just numbing a little bit it's gonna take going a little to, while but to get to get actually excited about doing something like that again but i think it i'm going happen. i'm going straight to road cycling it's my, <laughs> it's oh, yeah? <laughs> time handling it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic yeah, Go well, on. who knows? Maybe we'll see more comp climbers dipping into big walling. Go for it. I hope we, they do because mm. I think they'll do great. Yeah, we saw, well, we saw Andre. Well, he's not really, a, well, he kind of is a comp. Don't he's really in know. everything, isn't he? It's a bit of an, yeah, it's a bit of an, bit of an well, but... uh, yeah, bit of an anomaly. But yeah, yeah, you get some, uh, I feel like Boulder's transitioned quite well as well. Like Nale's done quite a few. Um, He's actually spent yeah. some time trying Dawn Wall, I think, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I don't know anything about it other than that he's tried it. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel his achievements are either unknown or just spread through whispers in the climbing community. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, Andre doing the Dawn Wall in six weeks is one of the most insane like, yeah. achievements. Yeah, it was, like, this has given me like more appreciation for stuff like that. The other one being Pete Whitaker, like free rope soloing in a day, free rider. Is absolutely mind blowing to me. Um, Pete's an absolute unit. Uh, yeah, that's, that, really cool. mm, that's a kind of thing which I mean, I would say I'm probably one of the remarkably just completely inexperienced climbers in this kind of field of technical rope work and the likes. But like, it's very hard for me to like really acknowledge how impressive that is because. I have no idea about the logistics and like how like faffy that is. But when people I who I knew a lot more than me are like, wow, that is ridiculous. That kind of a that kind of achievement. Climbing is impressive, but the logistics is more impressive than the climbing. Yeah, mm. yeah. And also the will to just endure that much logistics the, to the, climbing the ratio. To, the will to suffer <laughs> and to just keep on going through that is like yeah, Pete's yeah. got that in abundance. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really cool. In a day ethic is really cool. I think doing stuff on El Cap in a day, like free climbing El Cap in a day would be good. Yeah, it's a fun game to play that. Yeah. The pressure's yeah. on. But like you say, that's probably something that benefits from a lot of experience in that you're having to do these things safely against the clock, like really time efficiently. And also like you can't wait around. So I feel that's something that could get dangerous quickly without the experience. 
when you go really quick, I think it's, yeah, like people going for like no speed records. Somebody did like the solo no speed record just before we got there. Um, that is like outrageously dangerous what they're doing. Just like pulling on like bits of uh, fixed gear that they may or may not be solid with like no other source of protection, like entire life to like a single bit of fixed gear. Like <sighs> horrifying. <Yeah. laughs> I have no interest in going to that degree <laughs> at all, but there's definitely, there's a middle ground in there where you could be moving quickly and like getting all the really fun bits while still doing it safely. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not having to haul a bag, which sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Well, amazing. Thanks so much, guys. And thanks so much for giving up so much of your time. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Likewise. Thank you very much. That was yeah. fascinating to hear about. It's always a good sign when I actually look at the clock and it's been a lot longer than I realized. Yeah. yeah it's, been, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a little while, actually, isn't it? It's been yeah, ages. Yeah. <laughs> we can keep trying, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, everyone. That's nice. Nice one, guys. Have a good yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. I, see yeah. you. Bye.